Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. The regular season in the Alberta Junior Hockey League opens this weekend, and the North American Hockey League is already well underway. Exhibition schedules continue in the Canadian Hockey League. There's some news in the NCAA, and a new streaming package has CHL fans smiling. This is the Pipeline Show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming. Of course, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor, and that is Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky, with two locations in Alberta, in the Leduc and Spruce Grove. But if you're in Western Canada, you can contact either location and they will ship your order to you anywhere in Western Canada. We start with the question of the day, which I put up on Twitter on Thursday. And the question reads like this. What's your prediction for the final regular season standings in the WHL Central Division? for the 2021-22 season. And, of course, a reminder, those six teams that we're talking about in alphabetical order, the Calgary Hitmen, the Edmonton Oil Kings, the Lethbridge Hurricanes, the Medicine Hat Tigers, the Red Deer Rebels, and the Swift Current Broncos. And uh, some early feedback. It's basically unanimous at the top. Everybody who has responded thus far has said the Oil Kings are the team to beat in the Central Division. But then it gets interesting. Jeff says it's going to be the Oil Kings, then the Rebels, the Hitmen, the Tigers, the Broncos, and the Hurricanes in last. While Eric says it's the Oil Kings, then the Tigers, Hitmen, Rebels, Hurricanes, and Broncos last. Brett counters and says Edmonton, Medicine Hat, Red Deer, Calgary, Lethbridge, and Swift Current. And Josh has Edmonton, Medicine Hat, Calgary, Swift Current, Lethbridge, and then Red Deer in last. So Josh, not a big fan of the Red Deer Rebels this year. Now, that's a telling question of the week because of uh, the guest list, which we'll get to momentarily. But first, let's tackle the news and notes. And we'll start with the CHL's new streaming package that's available for fans who want to watch one of the CHL leagues or all three of the CHL leagues. Brand new this year, you can subscribe for one package and get all 60 teams. It's the CHL All Access Season Pass. $159.99, so $160 Canadian will get you access to every CHL regular season game 
this year. doesn't matter if it's in the Q or the OHL or the WHL. You'll have the opportunity to watch them all. Now, in years past, a single league was offering, you know, all access to just their games. So, you know, in the WHL, you got 22 teams, 20 in the OHL, 18 in the Q. And it would be in the neighborhood of, I don't even remember now, 250 bucks, something like that. So this is a way better package than uh, in previous years. Now, maybe you're in Ontario and you have no interest in watching the Q or the WHL. Well, there's a single league season pass for each of the individual leagues as well. It's 110 bucks. So you get a volume discount if you go for all three. You know, it's 110 for one league or 160 for all three of them. However way uh, you slice it, uh, it seems like a pretty good deal this year. Moving on, as uh, exhibition hockey continues in uh, all three CHL leagues, on tap, lots of games in the WHL tonight. Portland is in Spokane. This is Friday as I'm speaking with you. Portland in Spokane. Medicine Hat takes on Lethbridge. Red Deer welcomes Calgary. The Pats are in Prince Albert. The Oil Kings are on the road. Doubleheader, actually, this weekend. Both of them in Saskatoon. Moose Jaw will uh, head to Swift Current. Prince George Cougars taking on Kamloops. Everett is in Kennewick to play the Tri-City Americans. And the Kelowna Rockets hosting Victoria. That all on Friday. Number of games again on Saturday. Remember, the regular season starts on October 1st. And that's the case in the OHL as well. Looks like four games tonight in the OHL with Flint going to uh, Saginaw. The Sarnia Sting are hosting Windsor. The Peterborough Peets up to Sudbury. And the Niagara Ice Dogs off to uh, Oshawa to play the Generals. And uh, there's been some signings, a lot of signings across the CHL. One that caught my eye out, though, in particular, was the signing of British forward Alex Graham. He was the import selection by the Niagara Ice Dogs. Remember, we had... Caitlin Berry on the show, I guess it was about a month ago, to talk about him and the player that's off to Seattle, both drafted out of England. Well, the Ice Dogs made it official about three days ago now, and Graham should be a, a player to watch. At 52 points in 38 games last year, he's got size. He's uh, NHL draft eligible this year. So another player to keep an eye on for you draft junkies as he heads to Niagara. Now, the queue started a little bit earlier than the OHL and the WHL, so the teams have played a few more games, and you don't want to put too much stock into the preseason, but uh, St. John, Shawinigan, and Halifax off to good starts. The BBR Mata as well. All of them have played five, six games for St. John and Shawinigan, and all of them have uh, won all but uh, a single one of those games. But exhibition moving forward throughout the Canadian Hockey League. Well, exhibition is over in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and for many of the nine leagues in the CJHL, and the top 20 ranking has come out. Now, keep in mind, no BCHL teams involved anymore in the uh, CJHL activities, so they won't, they're not on the website because the BCHL has gone rogue. Top team in the CJHL in the preseason rankings, the Spruce Grove Saints here in uh, the Edmonton area. The Battleford North Stars are number two. The Brooks Bandits in the AJHL are number three, so a couple of AJ Clubs in the top three. The Wellington Dukes, the Navin Grads, Portage Terriers, Summerside Western Capitals, the Steinbach Pistons, the College Francais de Longueuil, and the Thunder Bay North Stars round out the top 10. 11 through 20, uh, Powassan Voodoos, the Notre Dame Hounds, Oakville Blades, Weiwei Sicapo Wolverines are 14, the Carlton Place Canadians, the Amherst Ramblers, the Hearst Lumberjacks, the Cobras de Terrebonne, the Okotoks, Oilers, the Okotoks Oilers and the North York Rangers 
rounding out the top 20. Now, again, that's the preseason rankings. The first ranking for the actual uh, regular season will come out on Monday, October 4th, after a couple of weeks of regular season action in the AJHL tonight. The Camrose Kodiaks hosting Okotoks. The Calgary Canucks are on the road. They're in Drumheller to play the Dragons. The Canmore Eagles will travel to Olds to face the Grizzlies. The Brooks Bandits. The Brooks Bandits are hosting the AJHL's newest team, the Black Falls Bulldogs. Black Falls just north of Red Deer. Bonneville Pontiacs are at home to the Lloyd Bobcats. Meanwhile, the Grand Prairie Storm travels south to play the Drayton Valley Thunder in an all-weather battle. A cross-city rivalry here, the Sherwood Park Crusaders are in Spruce Grove to play the Saints, and the Fort Mac Oil Barons are in White Court to play the Wolverines. That all on opening night here in the AJHL. Regular season in the USHL begins on September 23rd. All of those games taking place, the Fall Classic. All 16 teams are in the Pittsburgh area to uh, kick off the season. Great uh, showcase event for all the college teams who are going to be sending their personnel there to take in that event. Of course, there'll be a lot of NHL scouts there as well. Meanwhile, the North American Hockey League continues their regular season play. Their big showcase started on the 15th and is uh, continuing as we speak. Now, some teams have played more than others. Some have played up to four games so far. Others uh, as few as, well, St. Cloud's only played one game, but most have played a couple. The teams with the perfect record so far, the Austin Bruins are 2-0. and St. Cloud has won that single game that they have played. Springfield Junior Blues are 4-0. and The New Mexico Ice Wolves are 3-0. and Amarillo and El Paso, as well as uh, the Lone Star Brahmas, are all a perfect 2-0 and to begin the year. Notice the uh, scoring race. Luke Van Wy, a defenseman, has nine points in four games. And uh, Ryan Bottrell has nine points as well in four games. Teammates with the Maryland Black Bears. But there's a player named Kristaps Skrastens who plays for Amarillo. And with the Wranglers, they've only played two games. He has eight points, seven goals already. He's an import player, 19 years old, from Latvia. Not the biggest guy in the world at 5'10 and 180 pounds. Doesn't have an NCAA uh, commitment just yet. But uh, this is going to be a player that I'm going to keep tabs on. Seven goals in the first two games of the NAHL season. That's Kristaps Skrastens playing for the Amarillo Wranglers. I mentioned the BCHL a little while ago. Their regular season doesn't start until October 8th. And back in August, I had tried to uh, set up an interview with uh, Commissioner Chris Hebb. It didn't uh, work out back then. But hopefully, once we get through the WHL team-by-team previews, it'll give us a, a week or two before the start of the BCHL season, and I will endeavor to have him on again. Uh, lastly, the only college uh, news note that I had was that the Denver Pioneers announced an exhibition game against uh, the Lions from Lindenwood. And interestingly, in the press release uh, announcing that game, they described Lindenwood as the latest team to join Division One hockey. They'll start play next season in the 2022-23 season which is what we're all expecting, but has not been formally announced yet. I reached out to Lindenwood and had someone uh, respond and said, well, we're still putting all our ducks in uh, in order, uh, and we expect that's going to happen. But it hasn't been formally announced yet. So I thought for a second that the Pioneers had kind of outed Lindenwood and stolen their thunder before they had uh, had a chance to announce it. But I guess it's not a 100% done deal yet, but uh, still moving forward as if that's going to be the case so uh, look for Lindenwood an announcement I guess still fairly soon 
We were expecting it in the summer, but it hadn't come yet. Uh, that is the news and notes stuff, so let's get to the guest list. Of course, all of my guests will join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. And there's another new brew to give a, a try to. Quite the title on this one. I can't believe it's not Unicorn. It's a milkshake IPA. The description, hops that are bright and everything nice. A unicorn is just a horse with a horn, and I can't believe it's not Unicorn. It's just a strawberry milkshake as an IPA. If that sounds like something for you, well, what you want to do, especially if you live between Calgary and St. Albert and all the towns in between, including Edmonton, Red Deer and Leduc and Sherwood Park and Olds, etc., etc., well, get to troubledmonk.com shop, use promo code PIPELINE, you can get a delivery right to your door, and that delivery will be on the house. I see the Market Garden Coffee Ale is back again. Still have the Made in the Shade Blackberry Fruit Beer. The Rye Pod is there as well, still on the website. Or you can go for the classics, the uh, Taster Pack. That includes the Golden Gates, the Pesky Pig, the Open Road American Brown Ale, and the Bucktooth Belgian White. Or go, go for my personal favorites, the Daycation Lager and the Juicy Gossip IPA. So much to pick from. Troubledmonk.com shop and use promo code PIPELINE. My guest today as we go through the Western Hockey League Central Division will do it in this order. First up, the Edmonton Oil Kings, and that means broadcaster Andrew Peard is my guest. From there, we'll head south to Calgary, and um, Brad Curl unavailable this week, so Jeff Chenoweth, the general manager of the Hitmen, he fills in for uh, Brad. And from there, we uh, cross the border into Saskatchewan. It'll be the Swift Current Broncos in the third guest segment. Craig Bosham in the play-by-play man there. And then we'll head west down Highway 1, end up in Medicine Hat where Scott Roblin from the Medicine Hat Tigers broadcast team, he'll give us a, a terrific setup of what Tigers' uh, situation looks like. Up to Highway 2 and uh, Red Deer with uh, Troy Gillard, the broadcast voice of the Red Deer Rebels. And we will end things off in Lethbridge as Dustin Forbes gives us his inside scoops and perspective on the Lethbridge Hurricanes. So absolutely loaded show. Let's get right to it. We'll start with the Edmonton Oil Kings, Andrew Peard. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, this is John Gunther of the Edmonton Oil Kings. And he'll lead out three Oil Kings. Riley Sachuk three on through through neutral ice. Sachuk gains the line, floats it in front for Gunther, charging down. Gunther, and it scores! I didn't think they'd find a way to make that work, but it does. Dylan Gunther tucks it home. It's 6-3 Edmonton. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Let's begin this week's episode of The Pipeline Show with uh, in our own backyard here, in my backyard, in Edmonton, as we get to uh, get set to preview another team ahead of the WHL season. Uh, of course, The Pipeline Show brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky in Alberta. Two locations, Leduc and Spruce Grove. But if you're in Western Canada, you can contact either location and they will ship it to you. 
anywhere in Western Canada. My guest is Andrew Peard, the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, Peardo, welcome back to the program. How are things? Things are good. Thanks for having me on, Guy, as, uh, as always. Oh, I appreciate you making the time. I know sometimes it's it's hard to track you down because you're so popular and important now. But oh, let's, yeah. I know we're milking it already. Let's get to the uh, the, the roster and uh, and look ahead to this coming season. Uh, maybe with a quick look back at the uh, roster in the spring and who's not back. Of course, every team loses their overage players uh, for the Oil Kings. That would be Captain Scott Atkinson as well as. Uh, what, five-year member of the team, Ethan Cap, as well as uh, Kate Oliver, who came in last year, played really well for the team. There, are, I know there are some other guys, though, as well. Uh, who is not back uh, from what we saw in the spring? Yeah, probably most notably, aside from Ethan Cap, as you mentioned, uh, five years playing with the Oil Kings, but really seven years in the organization. It's, yeah. He was one of those guys that I, I think every year that you saw the Oil Kings roster, you saw Ethan Cap's name. I was like, geez, he's still playing. <laughs> and, you know, he was he was a, a tremendous Oil King and will certainly go down as, as one of the best they ever had. Unfortunately, he never got to play in the playoffs the last couple of years that, mm-hmm. that he was here. But uh, as well on the back end, just to transition, the, the biggest loss out of, out of guys that could be back would be Matthew Robertson uh, as he's off to the New York Rangers training camp right now, the former second-round pick of the Rangers. And, uh Unless anything surprising happens, he will be playing professional hockey this year, whether it be in the American Hockey League or the National Hockey League. So that's a bit of a blow on the back end uh, for the Oil Kings up front. Um, of course, they, they, they do lose Liam Keeler in a trade with Red Deer. He was a, a four-year man with the Oil Kings, a former first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, good opportunity for him, though, I think, in Red Deer as that team is now in a, a transitional phase. And I think they're about ready to take that next step as a developing team. And he's going to be a guy that goes in there and certainly helps that. And of course the old Kings get a year younger and a guy like Jackson Weeb and a guy that can play the wing, something that that was a, a need for this team during the off season. So uh, you lose Keeler, but you, you do gain Jackson Weeb. Uh, and then uh, of course, uh, one other loss up front will be Jaden Henderson coming off his rookie year. He's decided that um He's going to explore other avenues of his life as he wants to get started uh, in a career uh, away from hockey. So uh, the team certainly wishing him the, the best of luck there. And uh, he'll be a guy that won't be back with the Oil Kings uh, this season. And for the most part, this is a veteran team. This is a team that was expected mm-hmm. to go deep if we'd had playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, it was the team that finished in first place in the WHL uh, by points last season, and of course there wasn't a. It was all interdi- no interdivisional play, let alone uh, the conferences crisscrossing. But they had the best record in the league, and the season before that, they were right there with the top teams as well. So this is a team uh, once again that's that's very deep. It's going to be hard to crack the roster, but there are some new faces this year, which we'll get to. Let's start in net though, where I think everything is pretty much uh, status quo from what we saw last year. Obviously, the big dog, Sebastian Kosa, uh, coming back into camp. He is uh, absolutely the number one goaltender on this team. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question about who will be the starting goaltender for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Whether he's here on opening night is, is something else that we'll have to find out a little bit later as he's with the Detroit Red Wings right now at their training camp, uh, first-round pick of the Wings uh, during the 2021 NHL draft. So team's obviously hoping to get him back for October 1st, but at the same time, you know, Detroit's going to take a good long look at Sebastian because he is a late birthday. This will be his last year of junior hockey, really, because he's not going to be back as a 20-year-old. He'll be turning pro most likely next year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get an extended look at the Detroit Red Wings training camp this year. And then that's where one of the most interesting battles is going to be, though, is in net because you've got Colby Knight, who got into four games last year. He was the team's backup goalie. 
Uh, Colby Hadel, he was with the team for that pandemic shortened 2021 season. He never, he dressed for one game, I think, as a backup, but he was with the team every day, practicing, traveling with the team. And he's very much, you know, a former third round pick in the WHL draft. He's in the mix for that backup job. So it's, it's Colby Knight to lose right now, but uh, he's certainly going to be pushed by Colby Hay throughout uh, preseason because it's just those two goalies left in camp right now. There's four games left of preseason, and I think they're going to just see where the dust settles on, on the back of goaltending position uh, at the end of preseason. And it's going to be an important job to have because Sebastian Kosa, while he will be the team's starting goaltender, there is a very, very good chance come December and probably halfway through January, he's going to be with Team Canada at the World Junior. So whoever that backup goaltender is, is going to see significant action in the middle part of the season. So that's definitely one uh, one spot to look for uh, when it comes to the Oil Kings goaltending situation this year. Probably fair to say both of the Colbys will get ice time in December and January if Kosa, as you and I both expect, he'll be with Hockey Canada both the uh, Colby C and Colby K, uh, both of them could uh, see some time with the Oil Kings there. Yeah, that's that's the one benefit to have is, is that um, you're, you're you have those two guys. You got one guy that you know can play in the Western Hockey League uh, in Colby Knight, who was three and one in his four starts last year, and then Colby Hay, if he can impress uh, as is expected during the preseason, you're you're going to feel comfortable there. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, it's it's a good problem to have, but. Um, I, I don't know that the team's going to carry three goaltenders into December, so maybe there are some other decisions that need to be made. All right. Well, six foot three for Colby Knight, six foot four for Colby Hay, and they both look yeah. up to Sebastian Kosa at six. What is he? Six? He's got to be close <laughs> to six seven now. Well, so he was six six and a half last year, and I'm pretty sure he grew. But I I just got the heights and weights the other day, and he came in at six foot six again. So. Uh, that's what we're going with, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, either way, six 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 seven. That's a that's a lot of net being filled right there. Did he shave his head or something? Because I know I used to be six foot on the nose, and now I'm five eleven. I had the '80s hair going. <laughs> so you and I both have the same problem. Well, I think you were probably with that hair with that hairstyle. I think you're about six two six three. <laughs> that was some big hair. Andrew Peard uh, is my guest. We're talking sure. Oil Kings ahead of this uh, this season. We're through the uh, the camp and into the exhibition play now. Um, let's look at the uh, the blue line. Um, you know, and, and Ethan Cap and Matthew Robertson not here now, but they were obviously leaders on the back end last year. Who does that job fall to now? I, I don't know that it, it, it falls on one guy, but they they did last year in what was it January? They they traded the rights to Vladimir Alistrov to Seattle for defenseman Simon Kubitschek, who's going to be a two spotter for the team this year as an import. And an overager, he's off to the Oilers training camp as a, as a free agent invite there. Uh, but he's going to log big minutes on the back end to try and uh, take away some of that pressure that obviously Ethan Cap and Matthew Robertson did for a long time. He's going to be probably in charge of quarterbacking that number one power play. Um, he, he's going to get a ton of minutes uh, on the Oil Kings back end. And then Logan Dalhaniak, um, he was a guy at 16 and 17. He was making... I don't want to call him minimal strides forward, but he was slowly developing. And I think that's to be expected when you look at how deep the Oil Kings back end was when he was 16 and 17 years old. There just wasn't a lot of room for him to get a ton of ice time. And then last year in the 23-game season, he was the team's second-best defenseman behind Matthew Robertson probably. I, I mean, Ethan Cap was was steady as she comes, but you, you got offense out of Logan Dowhaniak, and that was something that, wasn't necessarily there in his game. It wasn't necessarily something that he was relied upon as a 16 and 17 year old, but they needed that secondary 
offensive punch from the back end, and they got that in Logan Dalhaniak. So I think the team's got real high expectations for him as a 19-year-old this year, looking for him to build off uh, a real good year last year. Now, of course, you know what was the 19 points he had last year? Six of them came in a single game against the Red Deer Rebels, but um, that, that says something for, for a defenseman to go out and, and put up six points in a single game. That, that, that's uh, talent that, that's tough to find. So really looking forward to see what Logan can do on the back end because I mean, he does it all. Like he's, he's good defensively. He's now got that offensive side to his game, and he's still at five foot eleven. He catches guys by surprise. He's about 200 pounds, and he steps up on guys coming through the middle of the ice, and he can throw some some heavy, heavy body checks. So uh, he's a physical presence. He's a defensive presence. And now all of a sudden he's an offensive presence. So that's a nice piece to have there on the back end. And then Ethan Peters, I mean, he, uh, the surprise of the Western Hockey League season last year, he comes in as a listed player uh, to a real deep Oil Kings team. And quickly, I mean, real quick, it wasn't like it was a month into the year that this guy became a top four defenseman for the team. It was three or four games into the year he was uh, a top four defenseman for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Now he's off to the Toronto Maple Leafs camp as a free agent invite. There was some real buzz uh, around him heading into the NHL draft that he may have gotten picked, which would have been uh, just uh, a great cherry on top to, to the season that he had. But uh, he's another guy that's expected to take another step forward. And then you've got guys like Keegan Slaney, a former first round pick, now going into uh, what will be his 18-year-old season. I think he's about uh, ready to take his big step forward like we saw out of Logan Dow. And if not saying it's got to be the same step forward, but uh, I think the team's going to look for a little bit more out of Slaney this year. Um, they, they've got Ross Stanley back again, second round pick a couple of years ago. Um, he had you know a, a pretty steady 2021 season. And Blake Hewitt, another list guy that, that came in, he was he was really good for the team and uh, a nice find, a guy that Jamie Porter, the team's former director of scouting, was really familiar with, drafted him in Swift Current. They let him go. Oil King scooped him up, and he fit in real well in this back end. Uh, and then, of course, Carson Golder. He's the guy that the, the Oil Kings traded for during the offseason. And, I mean, Guy, you know as well as anybody, Kurt Hill, he seems to every year have one of these trades where he doesn't send much the other way. He brings in a guy that, is somewhat of maybe a bubble top six guy on another team. And then he comes in and is very, very serviceable for the Edmonton Oil Kings. You think of guys like Lo Schoffler and Samuel Stewart in recent memory, Parker Gavlis from a couple of years ago. And I wouldn't be surprised if Carson Gould, there's another one of those finds by Kurt Hill. You went through everybody, which is fantastic. I'm going to go back to Dehanek for a second. You said he had six points against Red Deer. That's good news for the Oil Kings. Don't they play Red Deer like at 10 or 11 times or something this year because of the changes to the schedule? Lots of games against the Rebels. Yeah, 10 games uh, against Red Deer this year. So they're going to see plenty of, of one another. We saw them already for one preseason game. And then when things get going for real, it's going to be 10 times against against the Rebels, which is good. I mean, you know, it, it limits some of the travel uh, for the team as well. Those are That's one of the few day trips that, that appear on the Oil Kings schedule. So yeah. Um, that's going to be a, a real fun season series because, you know, Red Deer, despite, I mean, Edmonton and Red Deer, they've never really been at the same location in their cycle yep. with one another. And, and again, they won't be this year, but I think Red Deer is going to be one of those much improved teams from a year ago. They obviously had just a, a real tough pandemic shortened season living at the rink, uh, but they got a new head coach in there. Um, they, they still got Brent Sutter obviously running things, but they, they've made some real nice, uh, acquisitions throughout the off season. And some of their young guys are going to start pushing forward. They get Christopher set off back as well on the back end. So 
Uh, a lot to like there for the Rebels this year, and I think it's going to be a real good rivalry once again with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Andrew Pierre to the Oil Kings, my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we're uh, looking ahead to this uh, coming season uh, for uh, Edmonton. And uh, up front, again, we talked about you know a lot of established players on this roster, but there are some new faces uh, chipping away and, and forcing their way onto the roster. And you know already who I'm thinking of, but the uh, the the returning guys, I guess the biggest question is, you know, Jake Neighbors, Dylan Gunther, do you expect both of them back? I do, but you and I were talking about it just a couple of days ago. Arizona's so bad this year. I, I'm not 100% sure Gunther is coming back. What do you think? Well, I mean, when they traded Christian Dvorak, it was just, oh, there's another forward gone off the Arizona Coyotes roster. But I, I do think with, with what Arizona's doing, um, you know, they're loading up on draft picks. I don't know that you want to bring in an 18-year-old in Dylan Gunther, and I know how good he is. He is he is uh, an impressive, impressive talent. But I, I don't know that you want to expose them to that that early, yeah. Uh, because it's going to be a real lean season for the Coyotes. I don't know why you wouldn't send him back to Edmonton. He can dominate the Western Hockey League. He can play at the World Juniors. He can maybe go on and and, and compete for a WHL championship and maybe a Memorial Cup championship. I, I think there's a lot more positives. Uh, for Dylan to come back to the Western Hockey League than there are for him staying in the National Hockey League, apart from who would be a very nice paycheck every couple of weeks. Yeah. But uh, I, I think in terms of his development, uh, it, he's probably best served to come back to the WHL. But at the same time, uh, there's smarter minds than mine that, that make those decisions. Uh, so if he does end up making the Arizona Coyotes, he's going to have a, a ton of fans in that Oil Kings dressing room uh, and in the offices. But at the same time, I think everyone's got their fingers crossed that that he and Jake Neighbors will be back with the team this year. Yeah, and I, I thinking with Jake uh, Neighbors, I mean, I think if you're an NHL team, wh- why rush anybody? You look back and and they, they played 20, 25 games, uh, you know, or less than 25 games. For me, it's it's uh, why would you not send your guy back to junior again and get more development before you bring him up? To me, it's an easy decision, but yeah, no, I I agree with you. I mean, and cap space is at such a premium in the National Hockey League. Why not let him have another year of development and get three full years of Jake Neighbors in the NHL on an NHL entry level contract? Because yeah. uh, I I do think he's as close to being NHL ready as as uh, anyone on the Oil Kings roster right now. But at the same time, um, you know, does, does St. Louis have room for him in their top nine? I I don't know that they do. I'm not as familiar with their depth chart, but, um, you know, you and I know one thing about Jake Neighbors, Bogey, is he makes an impression. And, you know, would I be surprised to see him hang around a lot longer at St. Louis Blues training camp and into preseason and maybe into the regular season? No, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. But at the same time, I think it does go back to asset management, and you've got a real good asset there in Jake Neighbors, and it, it's the same thing as Dylan Gunther. Let him come back to the WHL. Let him play at the World Juniors. Let him play uh, on a deep, deep Western Hockey League team that's going to go on a run during the WHL playoffs. Get all that sort of experience for him, and, and then he'll be a more polished product come next year when he could be uh, making a, a real impact at the next level. All right, that's two-thirds of uh, Edmonton's top line. We assume both, we hope, fingers crossed, both of them are coming back. Uh, who is the the third guy on that line? Who's going to be the number one center on this team? Or is that still up for, is that one of the, the battles we're seeing here through camp and, and into the preseason? Yeah, I think it is. And I, I think, I mean, I don't know how much of what we're going to see in preseason because uh, a guy that probably 
has earned first crack at that job from what he did last year and the year before, and as a 16-year-old for that matter, is Jalen Lightham. So um, he's a guy that's been versatile for this team. He's done everything that was asked of him. You know, during the, the team's playoff run as a 16-year-old where they went all the way to the third round, he sat in the press box for every single game because it was such a, a deep team, but he did not complain. He showed up to every practice. He worked as hard as he could. Then he came back as a 17-year-old, again, another deep team, played in the bottom six, um, was the first guy over the boards oftentimes on the penalty kill and became one of the best penalty killers going in the Western Hockey League. And then last year when he was given that opportunity to show what he had on the offensive side of things, he exploded and it got him drafted as a second year eligible guy, seventh rounder to the Chicago Blackhawks. And I mean, this is a kid who just loves to score. He's a guy that loves to contribute one way or another for his team. And I think, you know, whether he's playing on the wing or playing center, he's done everything asked of him by the coaching staff. And I think he's a guy that's certainly earned uh, first crack at, at being in between Dylan Gunther and Jake neighbors on that top line. At the same time though, um, Dylan Gunter can also play center ice. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what shakes loose, what the depth chart looks like when, when everybody's back, uh, with the oil Kings. But right now, uh, if I were to guess, if everybody was here on October 1st, I think Jalen Lightman would be in the middle to take that opening face off. There are two other, uh, oil King properties who were selected in the NHL draft, uh, this past, uh, July. Uh, one is, uh, Carson Latimer selected by Ottawa in the fourth round. And the other is, uh, Jakob Demick. New import, new face around Edmonton. He was chosen also in the fourth round by the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, okay, start with Latimer. You got to see him firsthand. I didn't get to be at the rink at all last year. Uh, tell me, tell Sens fans what they've got in him, and then go to Demick and what sort of impression he's made on you here uh, uh, so far. Yeah, with, with Latimer, um, as fluid a skater as you'll ever see, it's, it's actually beautiful to watch him catch the puck in stride. It's so effortless. It's so fast. It's so powerful. And, and then he's got the skill to boot with, with speed. And, and um, he's a guy that came in last year um, with, I, I don't know what the expectations were on him from the outside, but I think from within the organization, there were some high expectations because he was a guy at 16 years old, probably makes a lot of WHL rosters. Unfortunately, just not the Oil Kings roster. He did get into six games as an affiliate player, and, and Guy, we watched those games. Mm-hmm. He scored on his first shift, um, much like Tyler Horseman did, something those Delta Hockey Academy guys. I guess. Um, and, and then, you know, the um, the other five games he played in, he didn't register a, a point, but, I mean, he hit posts. He was robbed on a number of occasions. This was the guy that looked like he was, uh, certainly fit for a breakout rookie campaign, which you, you don't see too often, but it's exactly what he did. It, it was probably three or four games into the uh, the 23-game season where he really started to find his stride and, and feel comfortable as an everyday Western Hockey Leaguer, and then he just took off uh, as sort of a support scorer on what was uh, another deep Oil Kings team. He found ways to contribute every single night, and, and then just with the, the, the skating ability that he does have and uh, of course, hockey right now, that's that's what you got to have. Everyone's looking for those those guys that can move fast but also think the game fast, and, and he does both of those exceptionally well. So uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to be relied upon heavily this year by the Edmonton Oil Kings, and, and I think he's going to have a, another solid campaign. And then the academic uh, import selection, first-round pick by, by the Oil Kings in the 2021 CHL import draft. He's big. Holy smokes, is he big. Six foot three, uh, around 200 pounds, plays the middle of the ice, 
Um, as far as expectations for him this year, I think he got to temper them a little bit early. It's his first time um, in North America playing the North American game. Um, but the, the one nice thing is he, he speaks really good English, so there won't be that communication barrier between his teammates and his coaching staff. And uh, I, I think the team's going to bring him along slowly, make sure he gets his feet wet, make sure he gets comfortable. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a fourth-round pick in the NHL draft, and he's a guy that's probably going to be in the mix to play for Team Slovakia at the World Juniors this year. I think he's going to be a guy that comes in and can be a real, real big-time contributor for this team, uh, whether it be as the, the second-line center, the third-line center, or, hey, maybe he comes in and he is the first-line center for this team. Who knows? Um, but he, he's going to be a real important piece for this team as well. And uh, he gives them, you know, something that, that that I think every team needs, and that's that size up front. He's probably going to be a net front presence uh, on the team's power play. So I'm um, expecting a, a lot of good things out of Jakob Demick this year. Now, we haven't mentioned Josh Williams and Carter Such at all as uh, the two overage guys up front. You expect a lot of offense from, from your overage players, and they should deliver in that regard. I wanted to ask you about, though, the younger guys who are maybe, you know, further down the depth chart last year who might take that step forward this year. And and also there's a newcomer to the team in Jacob Boucher that I want to get your thoughts on, too. But who are some of those guys that maybe fans don't know a whole lot about yet that they uh, are going to get to know here this year? Well, I, I think the first one that comes to mind is going to be Dawson Seitz, yep. who was the team's first round pick in, in 2020. Um, big. He's got good size. He's got good skill. He's got a great shot. Got into four games before being injured as an affiliate player during the uh, the, the 2021 season. Um, I'm really curious to see what he has uh, in, in terms of being an everyday player in the Western Hockey League. It's something he's going to have to earn. It's something, I mean, heck, that we, we saw Brad Lauer. I think he's got the perfect approach to bringing in these guys uh, at a young age, no matter if you're a, a first overall pick like Dylan Gunther was when he was 16 years old, um, or if you're a, a 20th overall pick like Dawson Seitz was, uh, in 2020, or if you're a ninth round pick like like Jalen Lipen was, he he knows how to bring these guys along. So I I think slowly but surely we're going to see Dawson Seitz um, get familiar with the uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings brand of hockey, and then it's just going to be up to him uh, how far he's able to take that. So uh, for Dawson Seitz, he's he's going to be a big part of this team this year, uh, even bigger part uh, of this team in the future as he's another one of those guys that can play the middle of the ice, right-handed shot as well, which uh, is, is obviously something that's seemingly more and more at a premium in, in hockey these days. So he's going to be um, a, a guy to keep an eye on. And then, yeah, you mentioned Jacob Boucher. He's kind of been the, the, the story of camp. 19-year-old played last year with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. The, the two years prior to that, injury problems kind of derailed, I think, his development a little bit. But he got in that, if you want to call it a full year last year, um, and he had a healthy year of training, and, and I think it's paid off because he's come in and he's looked like a real versatile option for this Oil Kings team. It looks like he could be one of those spark plug guys that you plug into the, the bottom half of your lineup, but if you need him to move up, he's got the skill, he's got the ability to contribute. Um, his stat line might say otherwise, but from what we've seen through training camp, through one preseason game, um, this guy looks like he, he's ready to, to arrive in the Western Hockey League, albeit a little bit later than he probably wanted. But at 19 years old, he's found a real nice fit here in his own backyard with the Edmonton Oil Kings. I don't know what the GMHL is, but Boucher played two games last year and got 10 points in that league. I don't know if that's like a goaltending optional kind of league or or what the case is there, but 
That's we got to ask him about that because he played for the High Prairie Red Wings and they got guys who there's one guy who had 81 points in 21 games. I I don't know what kind of I don't even know where this league is. I've never heard of it before. But uh, I guess that's a the COVID league we'll call it. I know our expectations pretty high for this team. Uh, again, they were the best team in the they were the best team in the league last year. They're the best team in the in the division and they're not worse this year. So I think our expectations are are pretty high for them. Is it reasonable to expect, or do you think if you know if they're not playing in the conference final or the the WHL championship series, that it's a disappointment? Yeah, and I think that I think if you ask anyone in that dressing room, from the coaching staff to the players, their plan this year is to get to not just the third round. They want to get to the WHL final. They feel that's a place they should have been these last couple of years. Uh, they feel it's a place they should be this year, yep. and, and I think they're a team that that is very much considered one of the favorites, if not the favorite across the league to, to win the WHL championship this year. That, 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 that really doesn't mean anything here in September. Um, but I, I, I think this team has, has got the right attitude uh, heading into this year. It's unfinished business. It's they, you know, they, they have it burned into their minds. What was taken from them over these last couple of seasons that they never got that chance to compete for, for league titles and, and conference titles and a Memorial cup. And right now, that that is the single goal uh, of this team this year. So um, I think expectations are are set very high for this team. I think that's where they should be, and, and I think this team is prepared to try and reach those expectations. Lastly, Andrew, I know for fans that are coming to the rink, I've been asking all the play-by-play guys in in the various rinks. It seems to be a little bit different everywhere I've uh, chatted with. Uh, what's the situation for fans who want to get into uh, downtown Edmonton and, and watch the Oil Kings live? Yeah, so uh, for preseason, I mean, only one more home preseason game left for the Edmonton Oil Kings and uh, Oilers Entertainment Group, who owns the Edmonton Oil Kings. They're using these games uh, as a way to sort of test the new protocols that they're going to be putting in place for not only um, the Oil Kings season, but of course for the Edmonton Oilers season at Rogers Place. Um, but um, the the team right now not expecting any sort of uh, fan restrictions in, in terms of how many can come into the rink, uh, but there are protocols in place. Uh, you're going to have to wear a mask if you're coming to the games. That's that's something that's mandated across uh, the province of Alberta as well. Uh, proof of vaccination will be required to get into Oil King games or a negative COVID test 48 hours prior to the game that you're attending. So uh, that's one thing that fans uh, need to be aware of when they're, they're coming to Rogers Place this year. And that's going to be for, for Edmonton Oil King games, Edmonton Oiler games. Um, but those are the, the protocols that are in place. But uh, I can tell you that's just talking to the guys uh, in the dressing room, they they are just chomping at the bit for October 1st to come out of that tunnel with fans cheering them on and, and to hear that goal horn at Rogers Place and, and the fans uh, stand up and cheer for them because it's something they have they have missed the most uh, in what's been taken away from them over these last 18 months. So um, you know we we know the Edmonton Oil King fans they're they're probably uh, the the best in the Western Hockey League. The, the team has had the attendance record the last couple of years, and, and we're just. Uh, uh, everyone across the organization is really excited for October 1st, welcoming fans back into uh, into Rogers Place and cheering on the Oil Kings in what will be uh, certainly uh, one of the best seasons, I think, of Oil Kings hockey that, that we're going to see. Andrew, this was fantastic. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, spending as much time as possible to, uh, at the rink this year. Looking forward to it, Guy, and uh, you know that's that's one of the the main things I'm looking forward to as well is having the fans back and having Guy Flaming standing next to me, calling. Uh, 
some oil king games this year from from the uh, the bird's nest at Rogers Place. <laughs> well, I guess it's official then. Uh, thanks. I'm glad to be back on the broadcast. That's uh, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll see you uh, the 24th. You're off to Saskatoon or you, 2BD. Uh, not sure if uh, you're heading out there, but the team is uh, back on the 24th for the last uh, preseason game at home. Thanks for doing this. Hey, my pleasure as always, Geek. All right, that was Andrew Peer, the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. The Oil Kings are in Saskatoon this weekend for a doubleheader of exhibition hockey against the Blades. And uh, the season begins on October 1st with Edmonton hosting the Red Deer Rebels on uh, Friday, October the 1st. At the risk of sounding like a homer, I have to think the Oil Kings are the team to beat. They were the best team in the league last year, and I think every team is chasing them. After Now that I've had all the conversations with all the guys, and you'll be hearing the the rest of the uh, the guests of this week all from the central division i i'm starting to get a feeling that i think edmonton is still the best team but that gap to the field is a lot tighter and i think there's going to be a lot more competition within the division as well which is going to make it a lot more interesting i think for the fans too that's the question of the week give me your one through six final standings of the regular season in the central division you can find that on twitter at tps underscore gee I'll keep that up for a couple of days so you can uh, chime in with your thoughts. Up next on the Troubled Monk Hotline, we head down to Calgary. And I don't get Brad Curl, but I get the general manager, Jeff Shanoth of the Calgary Hitmen. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. I'm Trey Fitzwilanski of the Edmonton Oil Kings. At his own blue line, now Fitzwilanski cutting in right circle. Dances around his man to his backhand. Forehand, he scores! Oh my goodness, Trey Fitzwilanski. What a move, what a shot, what a goal. Oh mama. And this is the Pipeline Show. And Honky Tonk is back with Canadian superstars Jade Eagleson and Jess Mosker. Don't miss all your boot stomping favorites with a rock and tailgate party and drive in concert October 9th at Western Star Trucks North in Atchison. Hockey Sticks and Honky Tonk, presented by GS Construction and Next Gen Transportation. A live concert in support of local charities. Tickets are sold by the carload and start at $30 per person. Get yours at tickets.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Now that is a man who has eaten a lot of beef. Let's continue on with the team by team previews in the WHL as we uh, come back from commercial break. This is the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. Get your supply from either Spruce Grove or Leduc. Or if you're in Western Canada and you can't get into uh, those two locations, you can uh, contact the uh, locations, and they will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. And our next stop on the tour through the Central Division is down in Calgary. And uh, Brad Curl not able to join us tonight, uh, but he's uh, upgraded us to first class as we're uh, getting a chance to speak once again to the general manager. That would be Jeff Chenoweth. Jeff, welcome back to the program. How are you? Doing well, Guy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you making the time like this. I know it's 
busy time of, uh, of year, but it's got to be an exciting time of year too, especially with everything that we've been going through as a collective whole uh, over the last 18 months to finally get back into the ranks and inching towards, knock on wood, a, a normal season again. It's got to be exciting. No question about it. We just finished our first training camp at the Saddle Dome in 27 years. Uh, last week, it was outstanding. The feedback from the parents and the players was, you know, what we were hoping for. And, uh, you know, it was it was really nice to see the smiles on their faces when the kids were on the ice. And the parents obviously had their masks on. But it was, again, it was just nice to be in, in, a, in the Saddle Dome and uh, getting ready to prepare for uh, hopefully a normal hockey season. Where do you usually have training camp? You said it's the first one in 27 years that, that's been at the Saddle Dome. It's moved around. Usually the, the ice isn't in this early, but this year it was. Okay. Uh, we've been a number of rinks in around the Calgary and area over the years, especially this is my fifth year, I guess, fourth training camp. And we've been all over. We've been at the Edge uh, Academy. And we've also been at the Don Hartman rink. So uh, now we've been at the uh, at the at Scotiabank Saladome. So uh, don't know if we'll be able to do that every year, but we sure hope we can. Okay, awesome. Well, let's uh, look ahead to this coming season by first looking back and uh, the roster that we saw here in spring of, of 2021, uh, the three overage players, every team loses their, their 2,000-born guys. For you, uh, that would be Riley Stotts, Josh Prokop, and Orca Weisblatt, all three of them forwards, so big hole up front for you to fill. Um, anybody else uh, from the, the roster that we saw in the spring who is not returning to to Calgary for whatever reason. I don't know if there was a trade or something or just every once in a while there's a guy who decides uh, to uh, go to school early or something. We made a couple changes with some of the 2001s coming back. Uh, we, uh, we released 20-year-olds uh, Connor Gabruck and uh, Conrad Mitchell. Okay. Uh, those were two players that we picked up in some trades the previous year at, at the trade deadline from Everett and Spokane respectively. And uh, we just felt that uh, with uh, only being able to carry three 20-year-olds that, uh, you know, we, to be fair to them, we wanted to give them as much opportunity to find another opportunity. So we got down in numbers there. Uh, right now with our 20-year-olds, we have uh, three in camp and we have one at uh, at, at pro camp. Jackson Vanelis is attending the Philadelphia Flyers training camp. Mm-hmm. We've also got goaltender Jack McNaughton. We've also got uh, forward Kale Zimmerman and forward Blake Allen. Uh, and obviously we'll have to make a decision at some point. But uh, until Jackson Vanelis, we'll let me know one way or the other if he's coming back then we'll make a final decision on our three uh, overages for the upcoming year. Well, I know the Flyers have had success with Hitman defensemen uh, in recent history. Luke Zazula, that, not that long ago, right? Or not uh, Luke. Uh, oh, now I'm blowing the name. Who was it? Igor, Igor Zamula. Igor, Igor Zamula. Thank uh, you. you know, Flyers signed him as a free agent, and uh, he was, uh, he's was he been really good with them, and uh, you know, hopefully he has a chance to crack the Flyers roster this coming fall, and I know that uh, they're really happy with his development. All right, thanks for bailing me out there. Let's go to the uh, the netminders that you have in camp. You mentioned Jack McNaughton, uh, not there right now, but is eligible to return. Uh, and Braden Peters is still with the club, correct? Yes, Braden Peters is, is our number one coming back. Uh, we've also, uh, he'll be a 19-year-old entering his third season for us. Uh, we've got Jack McDonald, as I alluded to earlier. He's one of the four 20-year-olds when we get everybody back competing for a spot. We've also got a 17-year-old rookie, 2004-born uh, uh, goaltender out of Winnipeg, Ethan Bonaventura. Uh, we drafted, I think it was in the fourth round a few years ago. Mm-hmm. We have big plans for him. Uh, so, you know, we think we're set in goal. Uh, but, I mean, you know, time will tell. I mean, it's such a tough position. And, I mean, there's very few teams maybe other than the Oil Kings who have, you know, a bona fide, you know, real 
starter that's proved himself. And uh, we think when uh, Braden Peters is on his game, much like he was a lot last year, I mean, beat the Oil Kings the only time when they lost, suffered a regulation loss is because of him making 40-some saves. You know, we think when he's on his game, he's as good as anyone in the Eastern Conference besides Coastal and Edmonton. And you like to have that competition in camp, don't you? You like guys pushing each other to be better? No question about it. And both Ethan, uh, excuse me, both Jack and Ethan uh, know the lay of the land. Jack knows he's, you know, he's in tough. He's one of the three guys, uh, you know, competing for one of the 20-year-old spots. Uh, you know, unfortunately, in goal, you can only have two play and uh, you can only keep three 20-year-olds. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in Ethan Bonaventure, we had a, we, we, we went back and forth last year bringing him in for the development season, but we just, we, as an organization, felt it to be fair to our two returning veterans and Jack McDonald and Braden Peters that we just go with the, the two guys. So he's chomping at the bit for the opportunity. He played uh, Junior A last year in Winnipeg for the abbreviated season before they got shut down. So he's, uh, you know, he's always been, you know, pegged in as our, uh, our goaltender of the future. And uh, you know, this hopefully will be his time now. Jeff Chenoweth, the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen, my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we uh, look ahead to this coming season. Uh, let's move to the blue line then. And you mentioned Jackson Vandalistoff in Philly at the moment, but you've got a pretty strong core of returning guys uh, outside of him as well, assuming or it, should he come back from, from Philadelphia. Uh, and yet you have some young guys also pushing their way into the mix. Uh, what's your uh, blue line shaping up to look like right now? We think that's going to be the strength of our hockey club is the blue line. Uh, like you said, we've got a lot of guys coming back. We've got Jackson Van Lease entering his fifth season. Luke Prokop uh, signed by the Nashville Predators coming back for his fourth season. But Tyson Galloway was drafted by St. Louis last year in the fifth round of the NHL draft. You know, those are our top three guys. Uh, we've got Graydon Seidman, our top pick in the 04 Bantam draft or excuse the 04 age group, I should say, you know, he's chomping at the, you know, for that opportunity to be a top four guy. Mm-hmm. Evan Toss is entering his third year with our hockey club. You know, we've got a couple of young guys as well that are pushing. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, uh, that's what competition is. And we're excited about uh, the competition we have for the few spots we have on the back end. Outside of Graydon Seatman, it seems like uh, you've got like a, it's one of the rides at the, you know, at the Stampede or something. You got to be higher than this line to to play for the Hitman. You got a lot of tall, big guys on the blue line. Is that it's almost a prerequisite for you? You like to have a, a big defensive core. Well, you know what? I used to, and I'm not afraid to tell you that, but the game is changing, and you got to be able to move the puck, and you got to be able to move it quickly. And, uh, you know, it's a game as a track meet on on skates, and, uh, you know, so I, I'm not as much. you got to be able to skate, and you got to be able to think the game. So not saying I don't like the size, but, you know, the way the game is going, you, you know, a lot of those big guys can do that now. Right. And uh, we're very fortunate to have three guys that can do it in, in our top three, and uh, we got some young guys pushing, especially in the 05 age group and uh, 04 that uh, – can do the same thing and that is move the puck and a couple of them have some really good size as well. Jeff, what's your import uh, player situation like? Well, that's a good question. I mean, uh, we haven't, re- we haven't re- have received our, our three import players have not arrived in Canada. Uh, one of them just recently got his second vaccine. So he has to wait 14 days. Okay. Uh, he, well, that's our Russian player, Maxim Moranov, who's a 2000 born forward, uh, for born forward, I should say. We have uh, two Belarusians and 03 defensemen, Alexei Garapushnik, 
and a 2004 Ford and Anton Asashevich. Uh, both of them have had their vaccines. They're just waiting for the allotted time to be able to fly over here. Uh, as you know, we can only keep two Europeans. Mm-hmm. So when they do come, I mean, we'll have to make a decision. But at this time, we don't know when all three will be here. Okay, very good. Uh, looking at the rest of the Fords, we mentioned uh, with Stotts and Josh Prokop and Weis- Orca Weisblatt uh, leaving the team uh, after uh, aging out. You got some some holes to fill. Who do you count on now to be those go-to offensive guys? Who's going to, outside of, you know, obviously Sean Chagall is going to be one of those players as well. Um, and Adam Kidd had a heck of a, a spring for you. Well, I think we're going to be very similar to where we were last year. We're going to have to score by committee. We're not the most offensively talented team up front. We work hard. Uh, our work ethic is second to none. Uh, that's a credit to Steve Hamilton and the coaching staff. The players really brought, bought into the, what we were selling last year, and I think that's been passed along early on that uh, you know where hard work is going to give us an opportunity to win a lot of the games in this league, and uh, we have to continue to you know do what we do and do it well. Uh, Scoring-wise, I mean, I think, it's, like I said, it's going to be committee. Sean Chagall was tailed to have a big year, as we are with Riley Fitter-Schultz. So those are four guys that, you know, not that you want to put the onus on them, but we also need some of our 18-year-old forwards and Zach Funk and Tristan Zandy to step up their game and a couple of our old fours. Uh, one of them, Brandon why not uh, played last year as a 16-year-old. We expect him to contribute as well. As well. So we think, you know, we have to score by committee. You know, we don't have the, the offensive prowess of some teams, but, I mean, you know, if you can play a good team game and use your goaltending and your defense as a strength, and chipped in offensively when you can. I mean, I think you have a chance to win more games than you lose. Now, junior, we know junior hockey is it's a very cyclical thing. You know, you're, you're a contender one year, and three or four years later, you might be the last place in the league. Where do you see the Hitman right now in that cycle? I see us in the middle of the cycle. I think that, uh, you know, I think we suffered much like the a few years ago when COVID ended the season a couple of seasons ago. That was kind of our run. We've made some trades for Kyle Olson. We made some, you know, we tried to make our team better. We made the big trade with Jet Wu in the, that off season. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're kind of now we're kind of building as we move ahead. Like I said, I don't think we're at the bottom. I think we're kind of in the middle. I think that, uh, you know, I like where we're headed. I mean, we have a lot of unknowns, our younger players, just like every team in the Western Hockey League does, because very few of the 04s and 05s played hockey last year, other than the ones that played in the Western Hockey League. So we've got a lot of question marks. We like what we see right now. But I mean, you know, practice is one thing, games, exhibition games is one, and then obviously regular season games are a whole different level. So, you know, we, we think we're trending in the right direction, but, uh, you know, you know, ask me that maybe at the end of uh, November, I'll give you a different answer. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, now, I know big change behind the bench this year. Uh, you, you've brought Matt Stajan in, and out is uh, Joel Otto uh, for, for medical issues. Um, first off, before we get to what Matt Stajan brings to the table, Joel Otto been there for, what, 15 seasons. I mean, he's been a, a mainstay behind the bench. You don't see coaches uh, around all that long. Can you touch on what he's meant to the Hitman organization and, and what his leaving does? Well, it's tough to put into words what Joel means to our organization. If you ever, ever had the opportunity to speak to him, he's one of the classiest people you'll ever meet. He just oozes oozes class and uh, has such a big presence. Uh, actually watched practice with him today. Uh, it was great to sit with him. I mean, his, uh, he's got ongoing hip issues that are really bothering him right now that, uh, you know, that he's got to deal with. He can't even tie his skates. Mm. And, uh, you know, you know, it's bad when Joel can't golf and he likes to golf <laughs> and right now he can't golf. 
So he's, uh, he's dealing with that. So a big loss, both for the coaching staff and the players. I mean, playing the game a long time, won a Stanley Cup. I mean, you know, there's no substitute for that because every player in that dressing room wants to get to the NHL and uh, they can look at Joel Otto and what he accomplished. And uh, again, he's just such a super person and we're going to miss him immensely. And uh, we're very fortunate you know, to have a, a, another former Flames alumni in Matt Stajan wanted to get into the business, uh, an opportunity this came along in his hometown where he could still be at home and do the things that he has to do with his family. I mean, you know, as I said, very tough to replace Joel Otto, but uh, we're excited about what Matt Stajan can bring to us moving forward. Obviously a bit of a whirlwind for him right now, getting to know the players and the staff and everything that's happened in the last week. But, uh, you know, we're excited what uh, he can bring to our staff of uh, Steve Hamilton and, and Trent Cassant. And lastly, I know I've been talking to uh, people from all over the league and every situation's a little bit different, but for the fans who are looking to buy tickets and come watch the Hitmen in person this year, what do they need to know in terms of you know the COVID protocols and the vaccination policies and things like that? Well, our building is mandated. Uh, everyone has to be uh, double vaccinated. Everyone will have to wear a mask. But uh, it is my understanding that as it is as of today, that it is, uh, you know, we'll have full capacity when the season opens, our regular season on October 1st. And uh, we're looking forward, just like every team in the league, is to welcome back fans. You know, junior hockey fans are passionate in every market and, uh, you know, there's no substitute for them. And I mean, they missed out just as much as a lot of people missed out on live sports last year. And I know that uh, they're all chomping at the bit to get back to watching and supporting their local teams. Fantastic. Jeff, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this uh, and being available for the Pipeline Show once again. I look forward to seeing you from a distance. I don't imagine we're allowed to shake hands or anything like that yet, but when the Oil Kings and the, and the Hitmen get together again, it'll be fun. Thanks, Guy, and look forward to seeing you when we're up in Edmonton. We are there a few times this year. That's right. That's right. I appreciate your time, Jeff. That was awesome. Thanks, Guy. You take care. Have a great night. So there's Jeff Chenoweth, the general manager of those Calgary Hitmen, and uh, I'll leave it up to you. You tell me, are, are the Hitmen, do you expect more or less or about the same from them as you've seen uh, the last year or two? Uh, is this team trending upward? Are they kind of, where do you think they are in their cycle? You heard me ask uh, Jeff Chenoweth that question, and he said they're about in the middle. So is this a playoff team? You tell me what you think. That's the question of the week. Give me your one through six. In the Central Division, that's at TPS underscore Guy on Twitter. Last year, the Swift Current Broncos were not involved in the division. They were back out in the Eastern uh, Division playing inside the hub in uh, Regina. Well, they're back in the Central, the only team in the division that isn't based in Alberta. They're under the spotlight next as Craig Boschman, the broadcast voice of those Broncos, he joins me next here on the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Up now to DeBrusque, gains the Tiger line, shoots, scores! Jake DeBrusque does it again in overtime! Hey, it's Jake DeBrusque of the Swift Current Broncos, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA Hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. Score! And Pat 
Patrick Sharp. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. We're back on the Pipeline Show, which is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. And we are spending uh, September getting ready for the start of the WHL season. We started off with the U.S. Division a couple of weeks ago, team-by-team previews. Last week, we went through B.C. And uh, this week, we're doing uh, the Central Division, all the teams in Alberta, plus the Swift Current Broncos, which is where we head now. And uh, Craig Boschman, the voice of the Broncos, is my guest. Uh, Craig, welcome back to the program. How are things down in Swift? Uh, pretty good, Guy. Appreciate you having me on here uh, and everything you do for the league, of course. Uh, great coverage for, for teams, and uh, it's, uh, it's great to be back on, so thank you. Well, no problem. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, interesting uh, situation for the Broncos coming into this year. I think camp is starting a little bit later for, for the Broncos than for most teams in the league, correct? Are you guys just getting underway this week? Yeah, it seems like we're the last team in the league to, to get things going. Um, you know, kicked off on... Uh, Friday last week with, you know, fitness testing and that kind of stuff. And then the actual on ice stuff started on the weekend. So, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of weird sitting around seeing every other team post about their training camps and stuff. <laughs> and uh, we're still sitting there waiting for us to start, but, uh, it's been great. Super busy, obviously, but, you know, after a long, uh, long off season, it's great to, great to be busy. All right. Before we look ahead to this coming season, let's look back in the three players, uh, the overage guys the Broncos won't have coming back this year are Michael Farron. Uh, up front, Caleb Bullich and Owen Williams on the back end. Are there any other players who were with the team in the spring for the uh, the shortened season out in the hub in Regina that won't be back this year, whether it's by trade or maybe just decided to do something else? Yeah, I mean, there's always a few guys um, every year who, you know, whether it's uh, they asked to, to be moved or they, you know, they just don't come back kind of thing. So there's always a few guys, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously not everything's been finalized yet, but um, you know, for sure, there's a few guys who are, are off at uh, you know junior A camps and uh, and that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, it remains to be seen what the what the final roster is going to look like. But um, you know, certainly some changes to be made and and some younger guys coming in, which I think is uh, is the exciting aspect of uh, of the way this uh, this team is being built. You know, you get to see more of these young guys come in, which makes things exciting and uh, and even more exciting for the future of what these guys could look like when they're, you know, 18, 19 years old. Okay. I don't have a camp roster in front of me. And I know the the website on uh, the WHL's website isn't updated with the preseason roster just yet. So you're my tour guide goaltenders who are coming to camp this year for Swift. I know you had Isaac Poulter and and Reed Dick uh, in the spring. Are both of them back? They are. Yes. Both those guys are back. Um, There's also, I mean, there's six goalies at camp here for Swift Currents. You got Poulter and Reed Dick. Uh, you got Jacob Herman, who was acquired from the Prince George Cougars in a trade. Um, Joey Rocha, who was uh, a draft pick of the Broncos in 2020. Uh, there's also Owen LaRocque, who was a listed player from Manitoba. He's the 2005-1 goaltender. And then uh, Frank Shaboyer uh, from Prince Albert is uh, camp invite as well. So those are the uh, the six guys that the Broncos got at camp. Now, is it fair to say that it, the incumbents, it's their job to lose, but they're going to get pushed by the these new faces around as well, I would think? Yeah, I think that is fair to say. Um, you know, I think it's uh, you know pretty clear that that Isaac and uh, and Reed are going to be the guys to, to start the season, and um, you know, bringing in a guy like Jacob Herman, who you know, as a as a bonus, he's a local guy too to, to Swift Current, so um, you know, kind of a, an insurance policy. You know, should uh, you know the unthinkable of uh, you know potential injury happen or what have you. So um, I think having that kind of competition and getting uh, 
getting a guy like Jacob here to, to kind of show what he can do as well. A guy who hasn't had a ton of Western league experience and played his, uh, you know, his U18 here in Swift Current too. So, um, and then uh, some chance for the younger guys like Rocha, the Rock and Shibuya to kind of come with their first Western league camps and, and uh, also show that uh, they deserve to play in this league as well. All right, Craig, let's move to the uh, defensive core. I know there were, uh, on the uh, the roster from the spring, there's three asterisks. So there are some guys who got their first taste of the WHL in the uh, in the hub in Regina. Uh, and with uh, Bullich and Williams not returning, maybe opportunity for some of those guys to take on a bigger role. What does the, the defensive core for the Broncos look like heading into camp? Well, that's just it. Um, you know, you can't say enough good things about what Bullich and um, – and, and Williams did for the team last year playing a lot of minutes. You know, I think they averaged both of them right around uh, 28 minutes or so a game uh, wow. in the hub. So uh, huge credit to those guys and, and even more what they did off the ice too. Uh, it was such a young team inside the hub last year uh, for those guys to kind of help those uh, young guys along and then kind of just help them day to day of, of what it takes to be a Western League player and how to handle the pressure of uh, playing at 16 and 17. Uh, you know, really can't say enough good things about what those guys did um, off the ice for that young group. And uh, and like you said, there's there's exciting uh, guys coming in on defense. Obviously, um, you know, for you know, Sam McGinley, who's currently in St. Louis right now for St. Louis Blues rookie camp. So uh, an awesome opportunity for for Sam to go down there and mm-hmm. you know get a look at uh, a pro camp. So that's great to have him down there. Um, you know, and some some of the younger guys with, uh, you know, Dale and Weagle, who unfortunately got hurt not too long after the hub started and, uh, and had to leave. So really unfortunate for him in his rookie season. Um, Owen Pickering, who took major, major strides forward in the hub. I mean, he was a guy who was a ninth round pick in 2019. And at the start of his draft year, he was five foot seven. And now here at camp, I think he's about six foot four. And he's playing, you know, in the hub as a rookie. He was playing upwards of 20 minutes a night. And trusted in all situations um you know i think that's a guy who who will get drafted into the nhl this year so it's just been amazing to see um him grow both on the ice and off the ice too he's just such a great kid so laid back and you know a guy who's the first one to crack a joke and that kind of stuff um you know so for some for some of those guys it's great to have them here um you've got some of the younger guys the 05 players you know with uh, Grayson Brzezinski is here, 44th overall pick uh liam saxberg 60th overall you know to get these young guys here who have been waiting a year and a half to get a chance to come to a Western League camp um, mm-hmm. to have them here and, and see the you know the skill these guys have. I mean, Liam's a unbelievable offensive defenseman. Grayson, you know, at the age of 16, is is already six foot three, 210 pounds. So huh. um, it's incredible to see these guys in person finally after you know talking to them over the course of the last year and a half and then seeing the numbers that they were putting up at their at their U15 levels. Um, it's just great to have them here and. Also, Ryan uh, Ryan Bedahar, who got here from from Germany uh, late last week, and he's been on the ice practicing with the guys, fifth overall pick in the import draft, and and a guy who's got high expectations for uh, himself. He, he said he he wants to get drafted as high as he can in the NHL. So, very motivated guy coming in. Um, the players have really taken a liking to him, and and he's fit right in with the group. So, um, it's going to be a a young defense core, I think. I mean, you got Ryland Thiessen here, who the team acquired from from Brandon as kind of the the elder statesman on the back end. And um, it's, it's just sort of a, a good mixture of, of young guys and, and some skilled guys and some tougher guys as well. Noah Lamb from Victoria, who is making no friends during training camp. He's uh, cross-checking <laughs> and hip-checking anybody who gets near him. So uh, that's kind of the way he plays. And I think the team needs a little bit of grit back there as well. So 
It's a great mix on defense, and uh, you know, with all these young guys, it's just kind of really excited to see how much they're going to grow. A lot of those guys that you mentioned, they're like six one, six two, six three. As you you mentioned, a few guys, including Pickering. Did you say that when they drafted him, he was five seven, and now he's six two, six three, somewhere like something like that? Yeah, I think it was at wow. the beginning of the twenty eighteen nineteen season. He was five foot seven, and then now he's about six three, six four. So he's grown a lot off the ice, obviously, and on the ice, he's been a you know just a steady. You know, he's an easy top four defenseman, if not a top pairing guy already at the age of 17. And uh, I'm very, very confident that he's going to be an NHL draft pick this year. I'm going to ask the impossible, and that's to get into Dean Brockman's head. Do you think, was it by design that he wants to have a a bigger defensive core than in years past? I think everybody always wants that big defensive core, right? Uh, You know, it's it's not always easy to have that because, you know, you got to make sure these guys can, can play at this level too, right? So. I think the fact that they have some bigger guys and the fact that they are WHL-capable defensemen is just kind of an added bonus. So, um, you know, there's a great mix, like you said, some tougher guys with, with Noah Lamb, who is, you know, not the biggest guy in the world. He's probably 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he's just uh, incredibly strong and just, um, uh, you know, not a fun player to play against if you're an opposing uh, opposing player. So uh, it's nice to have that kind of uh, size on the back end. I think it's uh, it's a bit sneaky how big some of these guys are, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, the the scouting staff knew everyone who was coming to camp, but then when you actually see them in person, I think some of them had grown a little bit more than than what they were expecting. So, um, you know, so this team seems to have uh, sneakily got a little bit bigger than they were uh, in the in the hub. Craig Boschman is my guest. He is the uh, play-by-play voice of the Swift Current Broncos as we uh, preview that club ahead of the upcoming uh, WHL season. Uh, when we move up front, we mentioned Michael Farron not back. He was the team's leading scorer in the spring with 23 points, but with 22 points, it was a rookie in Matthew Ward. And here's a first, a first round pick 14th overall who had a heck of a debut in the WHL. I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be uh he's going to be counted on a lot here to, to duplicate and improve even on what was a terrific rookie season. Yeah. He's a special player. Um, you know, you, you see these guys and sometimes these, these young guys are a bit wide eyed when they come into the league. Cause it's just so different from what they had played with, uh, you know, at the U18 or U15 level, but, um, you know, Matthew is just a guy who's, who's just ready. Um, he was ready in the hub. He was, you know, so excited to become a Western Hockey League player and join the Broncos and make an impact. And he did just that. Um, he was as advertised. Um, you know, he put up a lot of points at the U15 and the U18 level, and he just transitioned into the Western Hockey League and, and honestly made it look easy. Um, he's so driven. He's so determined. Um, he is so calm and cool when you talk to him. It is almost like he doesn't even have a heartbeat. Uh, he's kind of just a, a hockey robot. And the only thing he cares about is winning games. Um, he doesn't care about, you know, scoring titles or who gets the goals or who puts up the four points in one night. He just wants to win games. Um, you ask him what he wants to accomplish this year before even saying getting drafted into the NHL, he says, I want to make the playoffs and I want to, I want to go on a playoff run. So um, that's the kind of player you need on your team. And the fact that he's only 17 years old and has, you know, at least three more years, uh, potentially with the Broncos is uh, incredibly exciting. Um, I think he's a incredibly special player. And the fact that the Broncos got him at 14th overall in 2019 was uh, a bit of a blessing. Well, I'm looking forward to watching him in person. That's for sure. Now there's got to be other guys though, that uh, he can't carry the mail by himself. So who are the, the main characters you expect to see a lot of time in the top six for, for Swift? Well, it's, it's an exciting group because there's so many young guys. I mean, really, I think half of the final roster is going to be 16 and 17-year-old players. So wow. it's going to be a really young team, but, um, you know, they're all they're all talented in their own ways. Um, you know, one of the players who I think stands out just when you watch him play is Josh Davies. 
Um, he was a third round pick in 2019, but uh, he's, you know, he's about five foot 10, but he's got maybe the biggest arms I've ever seen in my life. And he's just so fast on the ice. Uh, he's so strong. He's got such a hard shot. I mean, when he's going full speed down the wing, I, I don't think there's anybody who can catch up to him or slow him down or anything. So he's got such an incredible mix of, of speed, um, size and toughness. Uh, I mean, I remember during the preseason two years ago when he was 15 years old, um, you know, he'd go into the corner against a, an 18 or a 19 year old defenseman and they would try and hit him and they would just bounce right off him. He just kind of would set himself and put the shoulder down and they would just bounce right off him. And that was when he was 15 years old. So um, he's uh, such a, a special mix of, of all the, uh, the things that you need to be a successful player. So really excited to see how much he's going to be able to produce this year. Um, you know, some other guys, Caleb Wyrostock is uh, that a great mix of, of grittiness, um, you know, a shift disturber type player, but also has a lot of skill. Um, I mean, he scored that unreal goal in his first WHL game in Edmonton, um, you know, dancing around a defenseman, cutting across the crease, you know, uh, another late, late round draft pick. I think he was almost 200th overall in the uh, 2018 draft. And then he's come in and made an immediate impact as well. Um, the young guys up front with Brady Bernie obviously was was in the hub with the team last year. Didn't get a ton of playing time, but kind of got his, his feet wet and saw what it took to play in the WHL. You've got some other guys in Josh Philman, who is another uh, 2004 born player, and, and he's you know 17 years old, but he's pushing six foot four already too. So um, he's been showing a lot here in camp. I think he's one of the guys who's really stood out to me as uh, being majorly improved from from the hub season. Um, and of course, you've got some older guys with with Aiden Bullock, uh, you know, 20 year old forward and Cole Nagy, who was unbelievable on faceoffs last year. I think he was up in the 60s, if not very close to 60 percent on faceoffs uh, during that hub season. So um, there's a great mix of guys. Rafael Pelche has done a great job here in camp, 19 uh, year old forward, showing that he wants to be a big time player. Um, you know, the list really just goes on and on. And that's what makes it so exciting. Right. Um, these guys are all fighting for spots. You know, obviously, there's some guys who are guaranteed to, to be on the team, whether it's you know the Matthew Wards or or the Peltier or Davies or whoever it might be. But there's guys who are who are trying to prove that they deserve a roster spot and they deserve to play a lot more, and that's just what makes it so exciting. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the final roster ends up being and seeing these guys uh, kind of in action for the first time this weekend uh, in preseason games. So many young players involved in the spring in, in the uh, the hub in Regina. I count nine asterisks next to guys uh, from the spring roster just up front among the forwards. I, I have to think that, that just getting that, you know, dipping your toe into the water a little bit, getting uh, acclimated to the WHL at that level, even if it's just 20, 24 games, that's going to really help those guys make that uh, adjustment to a you know a 68 game schedule this year. I would have to think. Well, and that's just it, and and that's the excitement factor that I, I don't think this organization has had since the championship season. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody knows the the magnitude of moves that were made that year to go for it, and then it paid off with a championship. Um, but then it's time to you know to come back to reality and realize what needs to be done. Um, and so. The way that this team has been built up since then, you know, it's it's been building towards you know this roster that's here now. Um, these guys that they've acquired through trades or drafted picks, and guys who have developed the way that they've developed um, into you know legitimate WHL players, and some steals that they've got in later rounds, whether it's the Owen Pickerings or Y Ross, Doctor Davies, you know, Philman's Reed Dick, goaltender who's you know, I was completely floored that he wasn't invited to Hockey Canada's uh, U18 camp earlier this summer. Uh, he's a guy who I think is also will get drafted into the NHL this year and, you know, a guy who's got some world junior potential for the next year or two. So 
Um, just makes things exciting. Um, I know fans here in Swift Current are so passionate about this team. They want the team to succeed every year. And it's been frustrating the last couple of years when the team just hasn't been very good. But it's been building up to this moment now with all these young players here making an impact day in and day out. And the fact that they're all here now and fans can watch these players that they've heard so much about over the last year or two, that's what makes it exciting. And for me to be able to watch these guys you know, in person every day, get to know them on a personal level, um, it's incredibly fun for me. And I'm just really looking forward to getting things going here on October 1. Matthew Ward said all he cares about is making the playoffs. You described this team, though, very, very young. Do those two things go together? It's great to want to make the playoffs, but if if we say this is going to be a playoff team, are we maybe uh, setting the bar too high for a young club like this, or do you you've been around this team? Could this be a playoff team? I think they can. Uh, they certainly have the skill to make it to the playoffs. Um, you know, and when it comes to it being a young team, you know, it's, it might just be a matter of a young group of guys not knowing what they don't know. Right? They don't know that. It's not easy to make the playoffs in this league. They're just going to go out and play hockey the way they know they can, right? And this is a very talented group of young men that have been um, accumulated here in Swift Current. And I do have full faith that these guys can make the playoffs and they can win against the tough teams uh, like they showed in the hub. You know, beating a team like Saskatoon, um, hanging in there with teams like Brandon. um, It's just it's such an exciting time. I really do believe that, um, you know, the fans here in Swift Current are in for a treat, not only this year, but... Um, in the years coming. So um, it's going to be very, very fun to see these guys grow together. I think it's already an exciting team, but I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like, you know, two years from now when these guys are are 18 and 19 years old. You mentioned the fans and we'll end it with this. I've been talking to a lot of teams already and trying to get the, what the situation is in each jurisdiction when it comes to COVID and the protocols for the fans Uh, for the benefit of Bronco fan who uh, wants to come to the, the, the rink and watch the team in person. What do they need to know uh, about coming this year? Uh, are there some regulations they need to be aware of? Well, it's kind of a moving moving parts thing, right? I mean, there hasn't been any government uh, announcements uh, recently, but, um, you know, with, with the team, we're, we're trying to make sure that people are as comfortable as possible. So, um, you know, uh, vaccines aren't required for fans, but, of course, masking is, uh, you know, is recommended, um, not required either. We're going to have vaccine clinics at games uh, in the preseason, and I think the home opener as well. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that people are comfortable coming to the rink and um, some people are obviously more comfortable than others, but um, I'm hoping that the fans here support the team. Um, it's been, you know, a year and a half since they've been able to play a home game uh, in Swift Current and there's only a handful of guys on the roster who have actually played a game in Swift Current in front of fans. Wow. So um, these guys are looking forward to kind of getting the full experience of what it's like to be a Swift Current Bronco and just hoping that the fan base, um, you know, shows them that, uh, you know, that level of support that they have in years past and, uh, you know, comes out to support the guys regularly. Excellent. Craig, I really appreciate your time. Looking forward to uh, seeing the Broncos uh, in person again when you guys roll through Edmonton. Thanks for doing this. You bet. Thanks, Lucky. That's the Swift Current Broncos with the help of uh, broadcaster Craig Boschman. And uh, as we look at the question of the week again uh, that uh, I put up on Twitter, the one through six prediction for your final standings one through six in the central division wanted to get your thoughts on that as uh, for me I, you know i think there is more competition this year in the division i think it will be a little bit tighter than what we uh, saw last season in the the very very shortened abbreviated season uh, but some of the uh, the thoughts that have come in so far eric says it's edmonton not even close then medicine hat then calgary red deer fourth lethbridge fifth and these Swift Current Broncos that we just talked about in dead last in sixth place. Brett 
has very much the same. In fact, I think he's only switched Red Deer and Calgary around. So he's got Edmonton, Medicine Hat, then Red Deer, Calgary, Lethbridge, and Swift Current. It's going to be a tough division. Does that mean the Broncos can't move forward and move up the standings? It'll be a challenge. Some interesting young players, though, on this team to watch for. And I am looking forward to getting a chance to watch uh, Matthew Ward in person. Not very big, listed at 5'7 and 155 pounds, but led the team in scoring as a rookie. So looking forward to seeing the Broncos when they roll through Edmonton. All right, back into Alberta and the closest team geographically to Swift Current, that would be Medicine Hat. Let's get a look, an inside look at those Medicine Hat Tigers. Next, here on the Pipeline Show is Scott Roblin from the broadcast booth in Medicine Hat. He is slated to be my guest. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. John Redis steals the puck. He's down the right side. Puck's following him around tonight. Ennis is in over the blue line. He gets away from Ace and walks in. John Redis backhand shot. And Sabre makes the save. Another shot. He scores! John Redis has pitfall here tonight. Oh, what a tricky one mile one was. Hi, this is Tyler Ennis of the Medicine Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Well, it's midnight, damn rival. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The store next door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Yes! That's awesome! Back on the Pipeline Show, brought to you, of course, by our title sponsor, that is Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. And uh, we're going to continue our tour through the Central Division here in the Western Hockey League with the team-by-team previews and our next stop, the Medicine Hat Tigers. And uh, for that, we're heading down south, obviously, to Medicine Hat. And uh, Scott Roblin, who uh, spends a lot of time in the broadcast booth, most often as the uh, color analyst, but uh, doing some fill-in work at the start of the year, uh, for uh, the legend himself, Bob Ridley, uh, it's a pleasure to welcome Scott Roblin to the program. How are you, Scott? Good. How are you doing, Guy? I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you making time like this uh, in uh, in during training camp. Uh, have you been able to get to training camp much? I'm not sure what the situation is like in uh, in all the WHL cities, how, how much accessibility there is uh, because of COVID and stuff. So have you been able to get to the rink? Well, the funny part is for the Medicine Hat Tigers, they're actually one of the last teams to actually officially start training camp. Um, really, their first day isn't actually until uh, Wednesday here. So uh, wow. I haven't been down to the rink. It's going to be a late start for them. Really, it's only going to be about two days of camps to make uh, their cuts, and then they're going to be right into the preseason on Friday. So it's a very, very quick turnaround for the Tabbies this year. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that they hadn't even started yet. I, I thought Swift Current was the last team, but they got underway on the weekend. 
Let's start first by uh, by looking backwards in the, the players who were on the roster last uh, in the spring that aren't going to be back because they're too old now. Uh, that would be a defenseman, Cole Clayton, and then a trio up front of a pretty uh, valuable players, uh, Brett Kemp, Ryan Chazowski, and, and Kyle McNabb, uh, all aging out uh, this year. So are there any other players that you're aware of who uh, will not be back? Well, I think the the only decision that's been made in terms of pending overagers or anything like that for the Tigers, aside from the group that you just mentioned, is going to be Nick McCary from last year. Uh, he was released by the team and picked up by the Kamloops Blazers. So uh, he's going to provide a, a lot of speed, a lot of scoring punch, um, and a, a little bit of grit and tenacity for the Blazers this year. As the Tigers look to work on their own overage situation this year, and they have some decisions to make uh, up front. They have uh, a couple of guys uh, Lucas Vekovsky, who's uh, recently at uh, Pittsburgh Penguins camp, he is a pending overager along with Corson Hoppo, who had just a breakout year offensively for the Tigers last season. He posted 14 goals in 23 games. And on the back end, uh, some tough decisions got to be made between Daniel Baker and Eric Van Imp. They're two guys who have played a lot together over the last couple of years, both 0-1s. And um, of that group of four, I can imagine any combination of three returning. So uh, it's going to be really, really interesting over the next few days and uh, pretty much this week as the Tigers look to uh, cut down to three overagers. All right, well, let's start going through the positions. And because camp hasn't opened yet, and in fact, the WHL's roster for the Tigers isn't updated for the preseason roster. So um, I, all I can go from is is who was with the team in the spring. And there's another 0-1 who was around. That was Evan Fredette, the goaltender. So is he in the mix still or is he gone? Uh, has he no longer part of the team? Yeah, I don't think Fredette is, is going to be on the roster. Um, he played a couple seasons back was technically on the roster to start the year last year, but okay. um, was really never called up by the Tigers. So the Tigers went with Pierre Bjorklund and Beckett Lankow as their tandem last year, and then they signed uh, a kid out of Saskatoon named James Venn, and he was basically their third goaltender, even though he never got in any game action uh, this year. But for, for the Tabbies, it looks like those three are going to be the guys who are going to be kind of patrolling the net, led by Bjorklund to... Last year, I thought, had a fantastic season, really developed into a number one goaltender in this league, and I think those three are going to be the guys tending the net. All right, that makes a lot of sense to me, so we can probably say goodbye to Fredette. And, uh, yeah, Bjorklund, I think you're right. I think he established himself as a bonafide starter in the league uh, moving forward, and uh, Beckett Lankow comes in as uh, the backup again. He, now, he played a few games in the spring, didn't he? Like uh, half a dozen or something, Lankow? Yeah, he ended up playing five games for the Tigers, and um, you know, it was really, really solid. Uh, you, you look at the save percentage, and it's a 903, and nothing really jumps off the page, but that was uh, more so of a small sample size and had uh, one tough game against the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Other than that, uh, just very, very solid, especially for um, you know, a 16, 17-year-old kid in this league that uh, you know, goaltending is a, a nefarious position when you're bringing young guys in and if they're going to stand up to the pressure. And um, you know, Beckett was just very, very calm in the net and did a great job backing up Garrett and as for Bjorklund, I mean, the last couple of years, uh, it has been him learning under Matt Sogard, who's now uh, in the Ottawa Senators system. Mm -hmm. And uh, Garen, you know, he's a, a first overall pick a few years ago, or a first round pick, I should say. And uh, everybody's just been kind of waiting for him to take over the Nets, uh, very highly touted. And, 
And this year, he was just very, very solid, kept the Tigers in a lot of games, especially even games when you're looking at like the Edmonton Oil Kings, where the Tigers weren't able to pick up a win against them. A big reason why it wasn't a blowout a bunch of nights was Garen Bjorklund, because he was just making some stellar saves and his positioning was off the charts. So I think the Tigers are quite comfortable in the goaltending situation heading into uh, what they're hoping is going to be a, a longer season here. Bjorklund, a sixth round pick of the Washington Capitals in the uh, 2020 draft. Uh, so yeah, I, and I agree. I think that's uh, it's it. Uh, quite honestly, goaltending has always been, or more often than not, is a position of strength for the Tigers. So no surprise that that seems to be the case once again. Let's move to the uh, the blue line, uh, and with uh, Cole Clayton no longer there, you mentioned a couple of the uh, the guys vying to be in the overage spots this year, and Daniel Baker and Eric Van Imp. So there's some some veteran leadership there as well. But I, I see there was four guys who at least. We're rookies in the spring uh, getting a taste of the WHL, getting acclimated to this level. That's that's probably a good thing for, for the Tigers moving forward that those players got exposure early. Well, and something that we're going to be watching during training camp here is there's probably not a lot of spots up for grabs because the Tigers went so young last year. They had half of their roster were first-year rookies. Mm. And I think that's really going to benefit them going into this longer season, hopefully, um, just because they were able to get that you know, 23 games of experience. And the the guy I just look at as having a possible breakout season is Reed Andreessen. He was yeah. one of the few players just because of the, the call-up measures that the WHL had during their condensed season where they allowed uh, first-round picks from the 2020 draft to be on the roster. Um, you know, Reed was one of the first 15-year-olds to play for the Tigers in a number of decades and played extremely well. I remember his first game, and you can tell he's, you know, 15 years old. He's uh, only five foot eight, weighing a, a less than a buck fifty, and uh, you can tell he's a lot smaller than a lot of the guys on the ice. But has no issue stepping up in the rush, driving play, even as a defenseman. Um, just his puck handling ability is fantastic. And as a you know a young guy in the league, as a fifteen year old, put up five points in eleven games. So um, I, I just look at Andreessen as a guy with even right now possibly top four potential. Um, you know, I could see him playing second pairing minutes. Uh, it looks like Willie Desjardins has a lot of trust in him and uh, is really impressed with the way he's coming through. And um, But I think the guy with Cole Clayton, you know, graduating to professional hockey and having, I think, a year none of us expected. I mean, he's been kind of a stay-at-home defenseman most of his career and uh, exploded. He was the leading scorer for defensemen in the WHL last year, 30 points in, in 23 games. That's a lot of offense that's gone away. And I think Drew Krebs is going to be one player who's going to step up in that slot and I uh, was drafted by the Washington Capitals this past year and drew from from the over the course of the pandemic really added on a lot of muscle. And he was kind of a, a slim kind of, you know, wiry kid when he started his WHL career, He's packed on a lot more muscle. And this year he just really showed a lot of flashes of a top pairing defenseman. Even though he was only in his draft eligible year, he ended up putting up uh, 11 assists in 23 games. And uh, even though he didn't have a goal, he was really, really solid on the power play um, and getting the puck out of his own zone. So I think Krebs and Andreessen are going to be two players that Tigers fans are going to be really interested in following this year and seeing just kind of the excitement they can bring from the back end. When I'm looking at this this defensive group just on paper, there's there's a lot of beef here. It's like six three, six four, lots of guys. In that range, you know, outside of Krebs, who's the small guy at six foot, and uh, Andreessen, who you mentioned is at five eight and, and under one hundred and fifty. Outside of those two guys, they're all giants. This is uh, it's going to be tough for the opposition to get to the net. And I think that's been by design for Willie Desjardins since he came back as as head coach. 
and GM of the team, he's really put his stamp on the back end and wanted to be big and physical and obviously guys who could move the puck because, I mean, that's kind of the, the trademark of a Willie Desjardins Tigers team, a team that can skate and, and puck handle well. Um, but one guy I think that's providing a lot of excitement, you know, you see Krebs and Andreessen providing a lot of the flash. I, I think Rhett Parsons is going to be uh, a real fan favorite here in Medicine Hat just for his um, tenacity. First game I remember watching him, uh, I was grabbing shots with uh, my camera and uh, all of a sudden, you know, big number three comes barreling out of nowhere and delivers a body check in front of the net and sent uh, one of the Red Deer Rebels flying. It, uh, it was a pretty impressive start to the career for, for Parsons. And he's not going to provide near the offense that some of the other guys are, but just his ability to hit, his ability to get in corners. And I think his ability to move guys out in front of the net is going to be a real, real asset for the Tigers as they move forward in the season and have to face teams like Edmonton that have just really solid net front guys. Um, I think Rhett Parsons is going to be a big piece of that in, in helping to clear away some space for Garen Bjorklund and, and Becca Lankow. Scott Roblin from the uh, Medicine Ant Tigers a broadcast crew uh, is my guest here on the Pipeline Show, getting set for the upcoming season. All right, let's uh, shift to the forwards. And uh, with uh, Kemp and Chizowski and McNabb all moving on now, uh, those are some holes to fill for sure. And uh, you mentioned, uh, of course, and Hoppo and uh, Lucas Fakoski who are vying again to be part of that overage mix and Nick McCary no longer with the organization. So there's, there's opportunity here for some, uh, for some fresh blood and man, I'm counting all the asterisks from the, uh, the spring roster. And there's a lot of guys who were, got that taste of the WHL back then. And as you mentioned, uh, that's by design and they're going to benefit a lot from that. I guess part of the, you know, one guy that's going to help fill that void of um, those, all those players leaving is the return of Cole Sillinger. I mean, there's going to be a lot of expectations he could lead this team in scoring and probably should. Yeah, and that's, I think, the biggest story everybody in Medicine Hats and really a lot of people around the WHL are, are watching for is, is Cole Sillinger coming back to the Tigers and seeing what he can do after really becoming uh, you know, a household name, both at the draft and his work in the USHL. And when he left for the Sioux Falls Stampede, you know, Willie Desjardins was, was fully on board for him allowing to develop you know, at that point when he left, there was no certainty that the WHL would even have a season. Yeah. They hadn't officially announced the start dates, and it was a real waiting game. And for a guy like Cole, who's just so competitive and just wants to get to that next level, um, you know, he took a chance on himself and won USHL Rookie of the Year and was a 12th, round, or 12th overall pick by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And this is a guy who, you know, I, I haven't seen in person since he, he left for the States, but just from all the video I've watched of him, just his strength – with the puck, his shot has been you know, well-documented as one of the best in the WHL and is already, you know, from my opinion, NHL caliber. Um, but just his, his puck movement, and I think the, the biggest knock against him has been his skating, but um, even talking to him over the offseason here, he says that's something that uh, he's been challenged by for scouts and from NHL teams, and he feels like he's made great strides and uh, immediately becomes the top-line uh, player for the Tigers and is going to be driving much of this offense uh, even though it's only technically a second year in the WHL, um, I easily expect him to lead the team in scoring. And I think he's got the potential to challenge for the goal scoring title in the league as well. I mean, his first year in the league, you know, it was injury shortened, but 53 points with 22 of those being goals in just 48 games yeah. had five goals here at the U 17s, which I were in medicine hats. And uh, every single night it seemed like he was putting the puck in the nets uh, representing Canada 
he's a special player. And uh, I know here in Medicine Hat, we're really excited to see him back on the ice wearing the black and orange again. And he's become a bonafide star. And, you know, his rookie season, he showed flashes of that. And now I think he's at that level where he is going to, to drive much of the offense that is going to be missing from guys like, you know, Ryan Chizowski and, and Brett Kemp that uh, have, have left the organization. Well, he's a first-round pick, and I'm looking at all the young guys who, again, were rookies, uh, you know, five months ago playing, and there's a first-round pick in Oasis Wiseblatt, a second-rounder in Caden Glover, and a second-rounder in Braden Bowman. There's lots of young talent on this team, uh, and if you're filling holes, man, it's a good way to do it, isn't it, uh, with uh, some of these young guys that they've drafted? Well, and something Willie Desjardins did during last season, which I thought was uh, was a really smart move, was there was a lot of nights where he would have, you know, uh, Kemp or Popwell on a line, and he would throw one of the rookies on the wing just oh, to yeah. get that experience of playing with guys who are a couple years older, a little bit faster, to, to slowly get their abilities up to that level where you're playing top six minutes. And you saw guys like Oasis Wiseblatt, um, like Caden Glover, um, Teague Patton even got a couple of games up there. Tyler McKenzie, uh, they got a lot of experience playing some top six minutes. It wasn't every night, but it was every so often. And I think that's going to be big for this young crop. When you lose some of these big names that you, you're going to be called on next to really step up and provide some of that offensive punch and be smart defensively in your own zone, which is one of the toughest things to ask of a 17-year-old player in the WHL. And uh, I, I think a guy like Oasis Wiseblatt has such a high ceiling. He's you know, I, I, I've been speaking with Bob Ridley about him a few times, and he's just a bulldog on the ice. Like, he's running, flying all over the place. And last year, you could tell he needed to rein it in a few times, but um, he just has the makings of just a dynamic offensive producer and, and uh, a lot of physicality to his game. And um, I was really impressed with a, a third rounder in 2019 from the Tigers, Orange Strong. Um, he led the team in scoring for rookies and uh, had an overtime winner as well against the Lethbridge Hurricanes, I believe. Um, he's a guy I can see immediately going into the top six and lasting for the season. He's a winger, but has a lot of speed and uh, a lot of smarts for, for a very well-traveled player, even at his young age. A little bit different makeup up front than there is on the blue line, where we talked about size being such a an asset. Uh, up with the forward group, it's generally a pretty small group. Uh, lots of guys who aren't six feet tall. But that's also been something that we've seen over the years at Medicine Hat that hasn't slowed that team down at all. No, definitely not. And I mean, you even go back to, you know, Hunter Shankarik and, and Curtis Volk and, um, you know, James Hamblin wasn't the biggest guy on the ice either. And uh, they were able to really slot into the system. And uh, Willie Desjardins has really, you know, kind of focused this team on endurance and being able to use their agility with quickness. Um, there was a lot of plays last year where I thought two guys that thrived together were Brett Kemp and Corson Hopwell. And they formed just a really dynamic duo and had a couple of highlight reel passes from across the ice on two on ones. And it just seemed like the odd man rush was really the staple of the Tigers offense at times last year. And with the, the speed that you have on this team, even from the younger players that were rookies last year, you're seeing flashes of that. And, uh, you know, someone like Ashton Furster, who unfortunately had an injury shortened season, um, he's six foot four, but he still has the wheels to keep up with some of the smaller players on the team, like Noah Danielson and Oasis Wiseblatt and Orange Strom and, and those guys. So, uh, you know, that speed is something that, you know, as we get into training camp here, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be a focus for, for Willie and, and his coaching staff and getting these guys up to speed and, and being able to compete with a, a tough central division coming up. 
Well, uh, when you think of small uh, former Medicine Hat Tigers, Tyler Ennis is uh, always the guy that comes to yeah. mind for me, for sure. Um, all right, when we uh, go to set the bar of expectations for this club, uh, there's no way I can't see them being a, you know, I, they have to be a playoff team, in my opinion. They're that good. Uh, no question about that. What would you consider to be a successful year for Medicine Hat? Is it getting to the conference finals? If If they're not in the conference finals, is that a disappointment? How do you see it? It is interesting just because, you know, playoff expectations weren't something that we were talking about last year. It was just trying to get these guys in front of scouts throughout the season. And, um, you know, getting back into that mindset of challenging for the playoffs, I think is going to be really important for these Tigers players, uh, especially with the young roster that they still have going into the year. Um, I, I do think that playoffs has to be immediate, the focus for the, for this team. And, and I believe that they can, they can get there. Um, they were easily, I think, the second-best team in the Central Division uh, next to the Edmonton Oil Kings last year and uh, were really solid through most of the year. They went on a, a pretty lengthy winning streak, and uh, you saw some breakout performances from, you know, Corson Hoplow and Lucas Fikowski, and even a guy like Noah Danielson really uh, moved his way into a, a premier two-way centerman in this league. Uh, I think beyond that, you know, this team over the last number of years just really hasn't had a ton of playoff success. They would make the playoffs and uh, have a first round exit. They'd usually push it to seven games. Actually, uh, my entire time here covering the Tigers the last four, four and a half years, uh, each time they've been eliminated in playoffs has been by a, an overtime goal. Hmm. So they, they've come close a number of times, just haven't been able to fully put it together. But this team, I think with them being so young and really, I think much of the same roster coming back next year, they're going to have that kind of hunger as a group together to, to make a push for the playoffs. So I agree. I think playoffs is, is number one for this team. I think that they can get there. And then from there, I think they have a team that can possibly challenge a team like Edmonton. I, you know, Edmonton, I think rightfully so is probably the favorite going into this year in the central, but I, I don't see the Tigers too far off. All right. Uh, and lastly, uh, I've now I've talked to all the teams in the States and all the teams in BC and the, t- the only two in Alberta I've talked to so far before this uh, was Edmonton and, and Calgary. And both of those clubs are owned by NHL um, uh, organizations and play in NHL buildings. So it might be a different situation for fans who want to come and watch the Tigers this year with all the COVID protocols that are in place. We know what the regulations are from the league, but for the fans, uh, what, what do they have to know before they can get into the building? Uh, honestly, you know, heading before training camp, it's still slightly up in the air. Um, of course, Alberta is under uh, full mandatory mask uh, uh, policy right now. So um, if, if fans are at the games, they will have to be masked up. As for, you know, anybody that's uh, tangentially around the game, whether it's players, coaching staff, media, whoever, um, you know, there is a mandatory vaccine. But um, I, I would imagine that, you know, the team would either request, uh, you know, proof of vaccination or a negative test, but that, you know, really hasn't been confirmed up until this point. So um, they have open sales for individual tickets so so far this year. So there will be fans in the building Um, preseason. Their first uh, preseason game at home is this upcoming Saturday. So uh, hopefully we'll see a few more details roll out on that. Fantastic. Scott, this was great. I really appreciate you setting the table here for for myself and for uh, Tigers fans to get ready for this, uh, this coming season. I appreciate you making the time. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun year, you know, being in the building last year with no fans, not much electricity. It was a it was a bit yeah. of a downer, so I'm excited to get back to the uh, the energy that the WHL deserves. Scott Roblin, who is uh, usually the color analyst uh, for a Tigers radio broadcast, he will be starting the season behind the main microphone though. Is uh well, it's I'm not going to dance around it. Uh, Bob Ridley isn't going to be 
uh, behind the microphone to start the season, but just to start the season. It's just a temporary thing. It's a personal thing for Bob, so I'm not going to spill the beans what's happening there, but uh, we, uh, everybody hopes, and I'm sure Scott feels the same way, uh, the sooner Bob's back, the better. But that was a great rundown uh, from Scott. Certainly knows that team very well. And it's one of those conversations where, you know what, I'm thinking, boy, Medicine Hat lost so much from last year. They they got to take a step back, don't they? And then you hear that conversation, and you're like, well, you know what, they've still got a lot of real good talent there. Oh, and they get Cole Sillinger back. So I don't think they take a step back hardly at all, if at all. Maybe they even take a step forward. So again, when you're looking at the question of the day, which I put up at Twitter on Thursday, at TPS underscore Guy, and I want your top six, your uh, one through six final standings in the regular season in the Central Division, it makes it a little more complicated. And so far, most of the responses that I've received have Medicine Hat in either the number two or the number three spot. Most people have them still pegged as the number two team. So that speaks to, uh, and I really like that Willie Desjardins used the shortened season to get so many young players, so many 2004-born players, got their first taste of the WHL in the spring and uh, will be much more acclimated to making the jump this year full-time. I think that was a really, really smart decision, and it's going to benefit the Tigers a lot. All right, we've got two more teams to get to here in the Central Division with Red Deer and Lethbridge, and uh, we are going to stop in Central Alberta first. Troy Gillard is the play-by-play voice now of the Red Deer Rebels, and he joins me next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. Hey, this is Ben King of the Red Deer Rebels. Puts it on goal, scores! Ben King tipped it home, and the Rebels win it! 4-3 in overtime! And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates Golden Ale, an easy-drinking golden ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world, grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Ooh, that's a bingo. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. Two locations, Spruce Grove and Leduc. But if you're in Western Canada and you're not going to make that drive, you can contact either location and they'll ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. Our next stop on the tour through the Central Division is Red Deer. Happens to be home of uh, Troubled Monk as well. So joining me via the Troubled Monk hotline is the voice of the Red Deer Rebels, and that would be Troy Gillard. Troy, welcome to the program once again. How are things? Gee, very excited to be on the show. Thanks. Even more excited to be on the Troubled Monk hotline. My Delicious. My buddy Bud hooking you up with all the goods. I love that. Absolutely. Bud Kelly, shout out. All right. 
let's get right to it. And I know uh, things are well underway here in, in, in down in Red Deer because uh, the the Oil Kings and the Rebels uh, hooked up last weekend for an entertaining uh, preseason game. You were there. We were able to chat briefly. Uh, let's let's look at this team heading into the season and maybe with a quick reflection on uh, those players who aren't back uh, from the uh, the spring roster. The three overagers that Red Deer loses. Key guys, Josh Tarswell, Chris Douglas, and netminder Ethan Anders. Outside of those three, are there some other players via a trade or incoming players? I guess we'll get to the incoming guys soon enough, but guys who aren't back from the spring roster. Yeah, well, outside of the three graduating overagers that you just mentioned, uh, goaltender Byron Fancy is also not back with the team this year, Guy. He was put on waivers last month, and at last check, he had landed with the Drayton Valley in the AJHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, defenseman Mason Ward, he, of course, the son of former Rebels defenseman Lance Ward, he was traded to the Brandon Wheat Kings in the offseason in exchange for goaltender Connor Unger, who we can talk about in a couple minutes. So Mason Ward goes out to Brandon. And, of course, as you know, Jackson Weeb now with the Edmonton Oil Kings, he went to Edmonton in exchange for Liam Keeler up front and Keaton Sorensen, a Red Deer native was also traded here in the off season, late in the off season to the Prince Albert Raiders. And then there was one other player who is not back with the, the rebels for the, the 2021, 22 season. And that was defenseman Chase Leslie. He had to step away due to injury. So that's the rundown of former Red Deer rebels who are, are no longer with the team. Also, one change behind the bench as well. With uh, well, Brent stepped down from being the head coach uh, partway through the the spring, but uh, Steve Konowalczyk, uh, the new head coach. Maybe for, before we get into the players, what does that uh, coaching change mean for this team moving forward? Well, yes, as you mentioned, Brent stepping down as head coach, still very much involved with everything else, as you know, being the owner and general manager and president and governor and, and head janitor and whatever else yep. you can fit on the business card and whatnot. But uh, yeah, obvi- we're all very excited to have Steve Connell-Walchuk on board. His uh, NHL record speaks for itself, his lengthy career with the Washington Capitals and then a couple of years in Colorado. But his WHL coaching resume speaks for itself as well. He goes into Seattle with the Thunderbirds, has several really strong seasons, including back-to-back trips to the Western Hockey League Championship Series, winning a Western Hockey League Championship with Seattle and, and taking the Thunderbirds to the to Memorial Cup. So he has the pedigree both as a, a veteran NHL player and as a, success, a successful Western Hockey League coach. And he brings a new voice to the franchise. I mean, obviously, Brent's track record speaks for itself. And Steve Konowalczyk obviously, you know, shares a very similar vision to Brent Sutter in terms of what he's looking for from this Red Deer Rebels hockey club. But he brings in a fresh voice, fresh enthusiasm, and uh, it's just really nice to have him in the rink and and in the Rebels fold this season. So just adding to the optimism around the, the franchise in general. A couple of other new faces on the coaching staff as well, with Mike Egner coming on as an assistant coach, of course, played in the Western Hockey League in the early 2000s as a mm-hmm. member of the Calgary Hitmen. He joined the Rebels from OHA Penticton in the offseason. And uh, also a new guy in charge of uh, goaltenders this year with the, the Ready Rebels franchise, Ian Gordon, who Edmonton area hockey fans will be very familiar with. He runs a successful goaltending program out in that neck of the woods and uh, most recently also worked with the, the Seattle Thunderbirds. So three fresh faces with with the coaching staff in general bringing a a new look to uh, behind the bench for the Rebels. All right, well let's get to those goalies that Ian Gordon will be working closely with Uh, and you mentioned Connor Unger coming over via trade from Brandon. Chase Coward also uh, in the mix there as 
as a potentially, I'm guessing, the backup goaltender this year. Anybody else still in camp for the Rebels? The third goaltender will be Justin Merrick. He's a, a former uh, prospects draft pick of the, the Red Deer Rebels, but uh, the tandem going into the season will definitely be Unger and uh, Coward. Unger uh, played well for Brandon last year in the bubble and impressed the, the Rebels enough that uh, they brought him in to uh, be part of this tandem with Chase Coward, who didn't get a lot of playing time in the pandemic-shortened season this past spring, but got a number of starts late in the year and quite honestly gave the Rebels the best goaltending they had all season. The Rebels only won four games of the 23 they played during the pandemic-shortened season, but Coward was in net for two of them. He ends up going 2-1-1 one, and one hmm. in the, the later stages of this past season, and uh, there was a little bit of talk that, uh, boy, maybe he should have been playing a few more games earlier for just how well he played. So the, the Moose Jaw native came in and played really well for the Rebels this spring, and uh, the combination of him and Unger, who this week is skating with the Calgary Flames at their prospects camp. Rebels are, are pretty confident with the, the pair that they go into the regular season with between the pipes. I, I have to say that I really look at the Red Deer's blue line and kind of been waiting for it to mature over the last couple of years. This has been a young team the last couple of years, but it's, it looks like, it, on paper at least, like it, this could be the, the turning season for this club. And that defensive group for Red Deer is pretty impressive. You get, I mean, there are eight guys listed on the WHL's website right now, and they're all either first or second round picks, with the exception of Blake Gustafson. But that's pretty impressive, high high caliber talent uh, that Red Deer has. Yeah, very much has been a work in progress, Guy, and this is the year that obviously we're really excited for our defense corps. Uh, Kyle Masters, who was selected at the NHL draft in round four by the Minnesota Wild. It surprised me. He didn't score any goals this past season, which kind of surprised me because he always seems to have the puck on his stick. He's mm. got a way of uh, being where he's got to be in both ends of the rink. He'll be obviously a top two guy on the blue line that the Rebels are counting on this season. Christopher Setoff arrived here on Tuesday from Finland. He skated with the Rebels as their CHL import draft pick in the 2019 and 2020 season. Couldn't play this past year. He played pro hockey in Finland, and he's back here in Red Deer this year, and you can't wipe the smile off the coaches and teammates' faces to have this guy back on the blue line. He's poised for a big year as well. And then the Edmonton native, uh, Joel Sexsmith, uh, an anchor along the blue line, he logged a lot of minutes, and he'll be key in the top four as well. And then uh, I got to watch for the Red Deer Rebels in terms of um, future NHL draft prospect status is Jace Weir. Yep. Played a lot of minutes on the blue line. Of course, during the, the pandemic season, not only did the Rebels have to live in the rink and whatnot, we were very limited. We got hit by injuries big time. So younger guys like Jace Weir, who maybe would have gotten you know five, six defenseman minutes, ended up getting one, two blue line minutes. So he got baptized by fire, so to speak, and he'll be a key player along the blue line as well. And then there's Hunter Mayo, who comes in from Saskatchewan for his full season as a rookie. He played a several games this past season before his season got cut short by a, a wrist injury. He'll be counted on. And Blake Gustafson, big guy, physical presence back there, and Trey Patterson uh, rounding out uh, the defense corps. And then the eighth guy who, <laughs> and I mean, he's a large human, Matteo Fabrizi, former WHL Benham draft pick for the Rebels, standing six foot five, two fifty. 
he is all men on the blue line, and uh, he's an intriguing 2005-born prospect that the Rebels are going to get a good look at here in the preseason, and uh, who knows what he could bring moving forward. But, yeah, I agree with you, Guy, just to circle back. Uh, the Rebels very excited about our, our defense group this year and has the potential to uh, lead this team a long way. Six foot five and 250. Now, he did play in the game with the Oil Kings here in Edmonton. He didn't play a ton that night. I saw a lot of Jace Weir. I was really impressed with him. But Matteo Fabrizi at six five two fifty, I thought it was a typo at first. But I remember when you guys drafted him, he was also he was very big when you drafted him uh, back in twenty twenty. But he doesn't look like he's you know out of shape. He, he I thought he was going to be like a like a like the Hulk Hulk there or something like that. But uh, you know I don't know where he where he hides the two hundred and fifty. He didn't look like he was two hundred and fifty. No, but I can tell you, seeing him off ice, uh, it's not much of a stretch to to say that he is that big and obviously a tantalizing prospect for uh, a team that likes to play a physical brand yeah. of hockey and make it tough on opposing forwards coming into our zone. So if he can get himself up to Western Hockey League speed, game speed here in the next year or two, uh, you know, opposing forwards better watch out. Uh, all right, let's go to the uh, the forward group. And uh, you're always hoping that your your overage players are going to be your offensive leaders. Uh, and I think there's there's every chance uh, of of seeing that with Red Deer this year. Uh, Archie Baines, I think, is a terrific player. He's just got lots of energy, plays that role, but has the offensive upside as well. Then you've got Liam Keeler and Zach Smith, and Ben King is is. I, I'm surprised he didn't get drafted last year. Um, I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't get a, a pro contract by the time his WHL career is done. But again, this is a, a maturing uh, part of uh, the Rebels uh, lineup. I like this group. Yeah, we like it a lot here too, obviously. And you talk about Ben King. He was a, an absolute leader for this team during the shortened season. 28 points in the, the 21 games that he was able to play. And that was good enough to earn him as well and invite to Calgary Flames uh, rookie camp this week as well. So great stuff there for Kinger. And like you say, maybe he'll end up uh, earning a pro contract. If not with Calgary in the next little while, he'll catch the eye of someone else because he was a real good leader out there. And he had really nice chemistry with Archdeep Baines. Those two guys in particular hooked up for a lot of our offense this past spring and I see no reason why that won't continue once they get reunited here to start the regular season and then we've mentioned him a couple of times Leon Keeler joins the top six up front as an overager from the the Edmonton Oil Kings and obviously he's a, a solid player on the ice and he brings that presence off the ice as well just that uh, extra bit of leadership that's mm -hmm. already paying off for the Rebels during training camp the top six will be anchored by Jaden Groob uh, his season came to an unfortunate end here this past spring. He suffered a knee injury and was limited to only a handful of games, ended up playing five games, had three points, but uh, still impressed enough that he was the uh, first pick in the third round of the NHL draft by the New York Rangers. Big centerman, likes to play physical, likes to, he can put the puck in the net, skilled at both ends of the rink, and he was the, he's the captain for this Red Deer Rebels hockey club. So it's almost like a, Acquiring a new player to slide into this top six, getting him back and healthy, and he does look great. Uh, had a great training camp and was impressive in our black and white game before heading off to Rangers camp. So very excited to have the captain back in the lineup to lead that top line going into the regular season. And then the, the two other guys that we're looking at in terms of top six potential, Kalen Lind, he was the team's first round sixth overall pick in 2020. He was one of those kids, Gee, who got bonus time this past spring because he, you know, by birth year, he was a 15-year-old, but
but he ended up playing almost the entire season for the Rebels this past spring. And now he comes into his 16-year-old season, um, looking to build on the, his game at both ends of the rink as well. And then uh, also in the top six, you're looking at Cayuchas, who, as everyone knows, was acquired from the Seattle Thunderbirds in the offseason. Had a real impressive training camp, was solid in the black and white game, and was noticeable with a couple of points in that uh, first exhibition game that you and I were at just the other day. So in terms of a top six forward group, that's uh, yeah, a pretty promising looking group here for the Rebels. I know there were critics of the uh, when it came to last year's play inside the division where it was just the central, the five Alberta teams playing against each other all year, that outsiders said, well, it wasn't really that strong in a division. And maybe that was fair to some degree, but as I look around the, the division this year, it seems like a lot of teams were young last in the spring, and those guys are all taking a step. This could be a much more competitive division this year. Where do you see the Rebels in their cycle right now? Is this uh, like a playoff team in your mind? And if so, where would you set the bar to determine whether it's a successful year or not? There's a lot of optimism this year that the Red Deer Rebels are going to fight for a playoff spot in this uh, Eastern Conference. Obviously, Edmonton comes in as the favorite in the Central Division, as they should. They lose a couple guys, but they still get a lot of NHL-drafted talent back here mm-hmm. for this 2021-22 uh, season. So Edmonton's going to set the bar in the Central for sure. After that, I mean, you look at the other teams in the Central between the Rebels and, and Calgary Hitman and the Medicine Hat Tigers. They're both uh, moving forward with... Uh, you know, a new group of guys and, and some optimism there as well amongst those three teams. And then the Lethbridge Hurricanes are, are our younger squad. And then we'll get to see the Swift Current Broncos in the Central Division back this year after they played in the, the Regina bubble last year. Mm-hmm. But with the guys that the Rebels have brought in, the, Ke- the Liam Keelers and the Caillou Chazes and the, the Connor Ungers to sort of supplement and round out the lineup they already have, and Christopher Setoff back to anchor the blue line, yeah, I mean, really, there's nowhere to go up for the Rebels after the season they struggled through last year, winning just the four games and suffering through the slog of injuries. But uh, very confident uh, here, at least inside the confines of the, the PV Mart Centrum, that the Rebels will indeed battle for a playoff spot this year. It's the PV Mart Centrum now. All right, I didn't, uh, I wasn't right. sure what the sponsorship was this year. Uh, and since the last time, uh, since the last time I was at the Centrum, big renovations, right? That's going to be new for the fans this year. Oh, absolutely. Brand new black seats as opposed to the old faded green seats that had been in the Centrium since it was built in 1991. Yeah. Cushions and cup holders. We went all out with the seats. So you got that going for you. And a brand new giant video scoreboard too. So when you get to come into the rink and hopefully do color with the Will Kings this year, you'll see a giant new scoreboard and, and lots to check out. So a nice refurb for the uh, Mart Centrium that fans will finally get to enjoy. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the, the last thing that I've been asking all the guys around the league is uh, for the fans when they want to come and watch the Rebels in action. Uh, we know what some of the rules are in Alberta right now with mask mandates and stuff. Anything else that the, the Rebels are putting out or the operators of the, the facility, if it's not the Rebels, um, that fans need to be aware of? The, the way we've been going so far and the way that we're going to keep continuing going forward is whatever the, the provincial government has in place for guidelines at the time, that's what we'll be following. So uh, as of this chat, you and I right now, there mm-hmm. is a requirement for all fans to wear face coverings when they come to games. So that's what we had fans do for our, our black and white training camp game the other day. And that's what we're planning around for our, our preseason games. But if that were to change, like if the provincial government were to bring in some additional guidelines or restrictions moving forward, that's what we'll be operating under. Okay, very good. 
Hey, uh, just out of curiosity, is uh, uh, is Redder going to be involved with the World Junior Championship this year, or is it strictly at Edmonton? We know what happened last year, but it was supposed to be Edmonton and Red Deer last year. So, did, is are the uh, the Rebels getting to host some games this year? Kind of. Yeah, absolutely. The World Juniors are coming back to Red Deer this year, as was the original plan for last year. So the Group A, that'll feature Team Canada, that'll be in Edmonton, as was originally planned. And uh, Red Deer will get Group B. We'll also get Team Canada for some pre-tournament games here at the, the PV Mart Centrum. So that's very much uh, exciting for the fans of, of Red Deer and area. So uh, yeah, World Juniors are coming back to Red Deer, and the Rebels will head out on uh, on a quick little road trip during that time right after Christmas. So. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting for everybody except you guys, right? Because you know you <laughs> yeah, and Andrew Peard, <laughs> you guys will both be on the road and stuff. So sucks for you guys. Yeah, that's great. Right. For... We'll, yeah, we'll be out in Saskatchewan and Manitoba while everyone's here enjoying the, the World Juniors. <laughs> so <laughs> well, Troy, listen, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this, and uh, look forward to seeing you at the rink uh, both here and down at the PV Mart Centrum. Thanks, Guy. Can't wait for it. That's Troy Gillard, really good guy and a terrific broadcaster as well. And uh, one of the newer guys in the league, taking over for uh, a long time, well, darn near legendary WHL broadcaster, Cam Moon. But Troy fitting in there, and uh, well, he was around the broadcast for many years, so it's hardly a, uh, a an unfamiliar face if you're at the Centrium. But does a great job on the broadcast. I think the Rebels, I think the Rebels are going to be a surprise team this year. My my biggest question mark with them is in goal with Connor Unger, only because he hasn't been the guy yet in the WHL. But now as a 19-year-old, he should be in a position to make that step. Uh, I like their defense a lot. Christopher Setoff coming back from Finland, I think, is a huge big thing for them, much like Cole Sillinger coming back from the USHL for the Medicine Hat Tigers. Maybe not quite as big as a Sillinger join, rejoining the Tigers, but uh, Setoff, that's a big piece for Red Deer, and uh, again, I mentioned the, all the first and second round picks on that blue line. It's, it's an impressive group, and I like their forwards too. I don't know. Something about Red Deer this year uh, it looks like, to me, they're going to be sneaky good. Also want to mention that since I had that conversation with Troy, the, the three non-NHL-owned teams in Alberta, that would be Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, and Red Deer, uh, released a, state, a joint statement saying that uh, much like the Hitmen and the Oil Kings already have because of their parent teams in the Flames and the Oilers. All spectators uh, age 12 and over will be required to show proof of either full COVID-19 vaccination, single COVID vaccination dose within 14 days prior to the event. And that is only an option until October 25th. So if you've only got, if you've got your first dose now, get your second one so that by the end of October, you're good to go. The other uh, option is that you can prove that you you have a negative COVID-19 PCR or rapid test from a paid private testing provider taken within 72 hours of the event start time. So that's basically the same situation here in Edmonton and down in Calgary for the NHL and subsequently for the WHL games as well. So And, of course, masks everywhere as that's back in in Alberta and has been for a couple of weeks already, but a big press conference here in Alberta on Wednesday. We have one more team to get to. That is the Lethbridge Hurricanes. So uh, last but not least, and uh, Dustin Forbes is the uh, play-by-play man calling the games for those Hurricanes. He joins me next to close out this week's episode as we look at WHL's Central Division here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Turkey. Puts wants the one-timer. Bellary flats it. Go, he scores! 
<laughs> An unbelievable shot by Jordy Bellery. He's off the schneid and it's 2 nothing. Hey, this is Jordy Bellery from the Lester Hurricanes. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, it's one of my personal favorites, but tell the people about it. The Vacation Mexican Lager. When the chores are done, the lawn is mowed or the sidewalk shoveled. This Mexican Lager is perfect for floating on fresh powder or floating down the river. Vacation Lager is a little getaway every day. Player comparable, Sidney Crosby can do it all and is always in the conversation of the very best. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Make it better. Turn off the good. Turn down the suck. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming, and we have one more team to get to in the Central Division, and we will do that momentarily. Of course, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhawk Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. Two locations, Spruce Grove and Leduc. If you can't get to either location, don't worry. If you're in Western Canada, get in contact with them, and they will ship it to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. That's WilhawkBeefJerky.com. Uh, my next guest is uh, the voice behind the microphone of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, our last stop here on the uh, tour through the Central Division. Uh, Forbesy, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing really well, Gee, Thanks for having me on, and thanks so much. I'm looking forward to getting that package of uh, jerky in the mail for doing this hit with you. <laughs> all right. I can pay that fee. That's all. That's all right. I can do that. <laughs> Uh, That's all it takes. I, I'm very, very low maintenance. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this uh, this hockey team. This is always a fun team. I, I love what Peter Anhold has done with the Hurricanes since he's uh, come to the organization. It seems like, wow, it almost seems like a long time ago now, but I guess in the big picture, what is it? It's about seven years or so? Yeah, seven. Well, actually, this will be the seventh year with Brent Kissio at the helm as the head coach and the eighth season with Peter uh, mm-hmm. at the helm as the general manager. So uh, time flies. It, like I, I'm going into my eighth season as well, and it yeah. just feels like yesterday it was year two or three, and now all of a sudden we're the three of us, myself, Peter, and Brent are quickly approaching that decade mark so time flies well it doesn't seem all that long ago sometimes uh that you know there were even question marks about the 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 franchise that's all behind the hurricanes now and this is a you know one of the model franchises now in the league and on the ice it's going to be another good season i think for the hurricanes let's uh, let's look at the roster this year by looking at first at who's not back from the uh, the spring shortened season and those overage guys were Liam Kendry, Dino Combites, and uh, Mitchell Prouse on the back end. Anybody else that's not back with the Canes uh, as a training camp and now into the preseason? Well, beyond those three guys, of course, aging out and uh, Prouse going to play at McGill, Liam Kendry, I believe, playing UBC, and Dino Combites signing a contract with the Bakersfield Condors mm-hmm. in the American Hockey League. Also, Carl Tetachuk, a local guy. Uh, he won't be back. He was traded in the offseason to the Moose Jaw Warriors, which kind of uh, is a neat story for him. He comes full circle because 
Lethbridge kid played for the uh, U18 Hurricanes here in town. One uh, went to the Telus Cup. Uh, was listed by the Moose Jaw Warriors. They never signed him. Hurricanes listed him, signed him, brought him in. Was really good for the Hurricanes in his time. But uh, going into this coming season with Justin Hall, Logan Barlogi, and Alex Cotton as the overagers, and I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, Peter Anholt and company felt that giving Carl another opportunity with Brian Thompson in goal uh, as a 19-year-old would be best for not only the Hurricanes, but Carl as well. And so mm-hmm. Carl gets traded back to the Moose Jaw Warriors, so that kind of comes full circle. And then uh, Zach Stringer as well, another local guy traded to the Regina Pats uh, for the 10th overall pick in what will be the prospects draft coming up in, in December. So uh, not a lot of faces uh, leaving from last year's team, only the five with the three uh, overagers, and I guess you could make it six with Jacob Boucher, who uh, was waived and picked up by the Edmonton Oil Kings, and uh, by all accounts is doing pretty good with with them through their camp so far. So, yeah. uh, pretty big nucleus of returners heading into this season. Well, and one of the things that I noticed right away was it's you know a lot of times teams will lose those overage guys and it means a lot of offense also not coming back for, for the Hurricanes and we'll get to the forwards in a second uh, as well as Alex Cotton but uh, you know the three top scorers from the shortened season are all back with the team. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's start in net and you mentioned Brian Thompson uh, he is now clearly the the starter this year. Yeah, yeah, he would be uh, given the opportunity to be a number one goaltender, and he's got all the tools to be uh, a bona fide number one. Uh, only appeared in eight games last year during the shortened season, and uh, if you were to ask Brian, he would tell you that he would like better numbers, uh, both goals against, safe percentage. But he's six foot five. He's 190 pounds. He moves well for a big goaltender, so he does have all the pieces to be a number one, but. Uh, in his first three seasons with the Hurricanes, and albeit all of them very unique uh, in in terms of uh, how he was able to be on the team. In his first year, he comes up after the trade deadline um, when when Liam Hughes left the team and Carl Tedicek was kind of thrusted into the starter's position and the Hurricanes lost in the first round. And then, of course, you talk about the back-to-back COVID seasons with one, of course, being canceled, uh, didn't get through his that full season and then last year being shortened and and everything that of course we know we went through then. So uh, his uh, experience with the WHL has been an interesting one and has basically been a platoon with Carl Tedichuk. And so now with Carl having been traded, it's Brian Thompson's crease and his partner will be Jared Picklick. And and that's the tandem right out of camp. Uh, Hurricane scheduled to start the preseason on Friday uh, when they take on the Medicine Hat Tigers. And that's, the only two goaltenders in in town. So uh, it'll be Thompson's net, uh, assuming Picklick will try and push as well. But uh, a huge opportunity for the 19-year-old out of Moose who, like I said before, has all the tools to be a, a really, really good goaltender at this level. Hasn't really had the opportunity in terms of being the number one guy yet, and, and he'll get that this year. Well, it's nice to see that they're both drafted by the Hurricanes as well. So a kind of promotion from within the organization, that's that's a uh, key moving forward, I would think. All right, let's go to the back end. Alex Cotton, obviously the marquee guy uh, on the blue line for the Hurricanes, uh, drafted by Detroit in the fifth round in 2020. And uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, did he lead the WHL in scoring among defensemen last year in the shortened season? Uh, he did the year prior. Prior. 2019-2020 okay. uh, had 67 points, 
became just the third Hurricanes defenseman in franchise history to to get to the 20 goal plateau, joining Shane Peacock and Terry Hollinger. So, uh, lots of offensive pop with Cotton on the blue blue line. As you outlined, he he was drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. So as we speak right now and record right now, he's in, in Traverse City, mm-hmm. uh, attending their rookie camp with the Red Wings and getting that experience and spent a lot of time in the summertime down in Detroit with the Red Wings and learning and training and working out. And he looked fantastic uh, at training camp last weekend. And really you could tell Cotton was a step above everybody else and unsigned to this point right now with the Detroit Red Wings. So we'll see if he's able to earn a contract uh, in the couple of weeks or so that He's down there uh, in Michigan. So, uh, but if assuming he returns, and, and I think he will, uh, he's going to be relied upon on that blue line uh, as as an offensive catalyst, but also as the elder statesman back there. Which uh, we were talking before, going into year eight for myself and 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 Peter and year seven for Brent. It's hard to believe that Alex Cotton is going into his overage season. <laughs> Feels like yesterday he was 15 years old and coming up uh, in, in a deep playoff run for the Hurricanes. It's funny how quickly things go but the defense uh really uh impressive and uh should be one of the better ones in the division if not the conference i think well and one of the traits that i'm noticing as i look at the 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 numbers here for the defensemen is just how big they are and again you know I, i've talked to i think it was medicine hat and red deer it seems like the central division everybody has giants on the blue line uh, to some degree. I think Edmonton might have the smallest defensive core, and we know they're still going to be good, but that seems to be a trait that we're seeing a lot here in the Central Division, and maybe that speaks to the, you know, a bit of a copycat league. You know, if you're going to be going up against the, these other teams, you, you sort of have to match them. Uh, what is this defensive group outside of the size? Is there sort of an identity that you can uh, pin your finger on? Well, I think uh, size and physicality for sure. I mean, we, we were talking about Alex Cotton, and he's the second uh, smallest in terms of height yeah. on the blue line at six six foot one. Uh, the only one shorter would be Logan McCutcheon, who will go into his 17 year old season. But uh, they move the puck well for uh, a group. Um, just looking through camp and, and watching, of course, last season uh, in the bit of time that they were able to play, and they're a young group. Uh, Alex Cotton at, as the overage of Trevor Thurston is the only 19 year old, and everybody else is. 0304 and in Noah Chadwick's case and I'm not 100% convinced that he'll make the team although I think he's good enough to play in the Western Hockey League right now but when you look at the defensive core for the Hurricanes they've got nine yeah. good defensemen that can play in the Western Hockey League and I, and I think uh, and I might be biased and people can call me biased but I think they have probably the best right side defense in the Western Hockey League if you go Alex Cotton Nolan Bentham, who's a former first-round pick in the prospects draft, came over in a trade with the Victoria Royals. Uh, and then Logan McCutcheon, who is at the World Under-18 Summer Showcase for Hockey Canada. And Chase Pauls, who's taken a big step, uh, at least through camp, at six foot, almost five, and 215 pounds, and going into his second year. So uh, that's four really good right-hand defensemen. And talking to Peter Anholt at training camp, we were talking about the defense, because I think, personally... Uh, that's going to be the strong suit for the Hurricanes this season. And uh, to quote Peter, he said, I'd rather pick six defensemen out of nine than six defensemen out of four. So uh, <laughs> the Hurricanes have a, a plentiful on the blue line, certainly going into the season. 
That does sound like something Pete would say. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, if if there's a quote from Pete, that that fits it. Yeah. All right, let's go up front and uh, mention the the returning scores from last year in Logan Barlogi and Justin Holland. You mentioned with Cotton about how it seems like he's been around forever. Barlogi for me the same way. It seems like uh, he's played in the league. This must be like his eighth year or something. It feels like, but um, to have those two guys come back as well as with some of the other pieces up front. This is again going to be a pretty. Uh, this isn't going to be a, an easy or fun team to play against. There's a, there's some offensive pop up front too. Yeah, there is. Uh, certainly not the same level of pop offensively. I think Guy is what we've seen in years past with the Hurricanes. When you think of Dylan Cousins, Oliver Ocular, Jordy Bellary, Blasician, yeah. Jake, right? The list goes on and on in terms of high level. Uh, pure scores that the Hurricanes have had over the last five or six years. So I think the forward group this year will be certainly uh, more of a by-committee type uh, offensive production led by Barlogi and Hall. And Justin Hall had such a great season last year. Uh, we, we saw glimpses of him two seasons ago uh, before the shutdown when Dylan Cousins, Kalen Addison, and Oliver Ocular were at the World Junior Championship in the Czech Republic. And Justin Hall and Logan Barlogi really went on a tear during that time in late December and early January. And last year we saw glimpses of that from Barlogi. We saw Hall definitely take another step. And I think Logan uh, himself will want to take another step. Justin will want to take another step offensively with it being their last years in the Western Hockey League. And as you know, uh, you know, Coltrane Wilson a couple of years ago are a great example of a guy who maybe wasn't on uh, professional radar, NHL team radar, and was able to have such a great overage season that got an AHL contract. And so these guys are playing for something. Um, and, and then after that, uh, I, I just, I like the depth the Hurricanes have up front. There isn't a, a I don't know if there's a 40 goal score, but I think there's going to be a lot of guys that get to that 20 goal mark uh, and, and produce from top to bottom. And when you look at them from line one to line four, I think all four lines are going to be able to play and contribute to and chip in offensively. I'm waiting for Noah Boyko to have that breakout season. First round pick, 16th overall in 2017. Just get a sense it's it's going to come eventually, and I'm wondering, is this the year? I think it is, and we saw a bit of it last year, especially near the tail end of that 24-game season. Finished the, finished the year with 10 goals. Um, and, and was really starting to look a lot more comfortable at the Western Hockey League level. At, at one point, he was on a 40-goal pace, if you were to extrapolate it over a 68-game season last season. He finished under that mark uh, in the mid to high 30s uh, over a full season. But I think this will be the year. And, and you know what? For him, it has to be because it's his 19-year-old season. And if he wants to um, be back as an overage next year, the, the you know following this coming season, He's going to have to do something to to prove that he he needs a spot or that he deserves a spot. And I think for him, he wants to to be a professional hockey player one day. And and so the 19 year old season, as much as your 20 year old season is a huge one, if you've gone undrafted, the 19 year old season is absolutely critical uh, in establishing yourself as a as a top tier. Uh, player in the WHL and uh, we've seen glimpses of it and, and you probably were able to see him back when he was playing for the Fort Saskatchewan Rangers on that uh, stack team with the likes of Alex Thacker and Jacob Boucher as well that won and um, he he scored at every level and now it's time for him to take that step here in the Western Hockey League and 
he was able to do that last year in a short sample size. Now we'll see what he can do with a full season on the plate. Dustin Forbes, the voice of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, joins me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Uh, two new imports in Lethbridge this year, correct? Uh, what can you tell us uh, about the two guys who have, uh, what sort of impression they've made on you here early? Yeah, Peter Repcheek so far uh, has looked really good. And Rep Cheek, it doesn't really roll off the tongue very quickly. Yeah. We all thought all summer it was Rep Sick, and then he gets here and tells us it's Rep Cheek. So, okay. uh, but he looked really, really good uh, in training camp. Uh, smooth skater, has some uh, ability offensively. Had a really good Halinka Gretzky tournament for the Slovakian side. Uh, was almost at a goal and an assist per game. I think he finished seventh in the tournament scoring. Uh, in the five games that he played for Slovakia, he's looked really good. Yegor Klevdeev hasn't arrived yet. Uh, ah. I, they're expecting him to be here next week. So really looking forward to the opportunity to see him and what he brings. And uh, from Belarus, played in the USHL a couple of years ago. Didn't have great numbers, um, but I think they're hoping that, you know, as a now 18-year-old year, uh, going into this coming season that he'll be able to contribute. And those are kind of the X factor, as you know, uh, you've been in the league and covered the league longer than I have. You, the, the Europeans can certainly make or break you, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you insert two left wing uh, Europeans who can score and can contribute and can play at a high level. Now you're laughing. It's kind of playing with house money, right? So uh, the hurricanes are hoping that that's the case with, with Kovdeev and Repchik and in Repchik's case, He's only going into his 17-year-old season. So uh, there's hope, I think, that you know he's a long-term uh, guy, similar to what we were able to see with Igor Mareshko, who, uh, of course, uh, the defenseman spent his entire career with the Hurricanes and played four seasons as, he, as a European, including a two-spotter in his final season as an overage. And so I think that's the hope with Repcheek. Uh, and, and judging what, by what I've seen so far, and albeit it's just, uh, scrimmages in training camp and an interest squad game to this point, but he's looked pretty good and I'm excited to see what he can do come uh, this weekend once we get into more meaningful games in terms of preseason and then into the regular season starting October 1st. Dustin, when you look back at the, the shortened, the abbreviated season here this past spring, um, Edmonton finished with the top record and it, there was a bit of a gap. Medicine Hat was there as well. Now that I've spoken with Everybody in the in the central division, including yourself, everybody seems to tell me, or at least paints the picture, gives me the impression that their club is better than they were, uh, you know, even five months ago. Where do you set the bar for whether it's a successful year or not for the Hurricanes? Well, I think under the regime that we have here with Peter Anholt and Brent Kisio, playoffs, uh, it's playoffs or bust. Uh, and I, I think at this point in the development of the franchise and, and how far it's come and it, under the tutelage of Peter and Brent, that that's the expectation every season is to make the postseason and hopefully do some damage come the playoffs. And uh, in the seasons where there have been a postseason to qualify for the hurricanes qualified for five straight uh, under Brent Kissio and Peter Anholt. And I, I think that's the, that's the bar. And if it's, below that bar then it's a disappointment if you make the playoffs anything can happen Mm -hmm. and we've seen that uh in not only just the western hockey league but all sports you got to give yourself a chance to to get in and once you get in anything can happen and so i think for me uh, as the broadcaster i think to put words in their mouths uh 
playoffs is the goal and anything under that uh, would be a disappointment. Certainly Uh, we'll see what happens. As you kind of mentioned, every team that the thing with training, every team likes where they're at at training camp. I I don't think if you were to ask around, say you would never hear a team say, well, I I don't know if, uh, if, if we like where we're at, everybody likes where they're at on September the 15th ask us where we're at come November 15th and then January 15th. And that'll be a bigger tell, but uh, going into the season, I think there's some optimism as, as we've talked about, there's a bit of a question mark and goal and Brian Thompson. Can he be a number one? I think he's got all the tools to be a number one uh, and be a good number one. I think the defense is going to be one of the better ones in the, the division, if not the conference. And then up front, it, it might be by committee, but you never know who can take a step. Uh, and, and really be the catalyst and be the driver in, in that cog, and, and we'll see what happens. All right, the way we have been ending all of these uh, team previews uh, with all the other play-by-play guys in the league is kind of asking for the benefit of the fans what they need to know when they come to the rink to watch their local team in action. Now, for the listeners' benefit, you and I, we were just joking about it half an hour ago because we had just watched a new, brand new press conference here in Alberta, and I don't know about you, but I'm not even 100% sure what's happening now. The best you can determine, what what should fans be expecting when they come to the rink that they can and can't, or what they need to do ahead of time, if you have a guess? Yeah, honestly, I have no clue. Uh, yeah, I think it's too early to tell when, as we talk right now. Uh, I think the hope, obviously, is to to have a a regular attending year. Whether or not that's the the possibility, we'll see with with the new restrictions that have literally just gone into place uh, just before we recorded. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I think if there's one thing in terms of as opposed to you know getting into the ring and being able to be in the ring, if there's one thing that I would say in terms of what fans can expect uh, with the on ice product, I just think that they can expect if they're allowed in the building, depending on what that capacity number looks like, if it's a hundred percent capacity, if it's a third percent, if it's 50%, um, I, I think they can expect a hardworking hurricanes team, uh, a team that's going to play Peter Anholt and Brent Kissio type hockey. And, hopefully put together a good product and eventually we'll be talking about a playoff team uh, as opposed to uh, <laughs> can you get in? I don't know. Yeah. That, that, there's a lot more people that make a lot more money on the decision making process than just me. All right. Fair <laughs> enough, man. I really appreciate your time. I don't know that yeah. answered anything. <laughs> well, I don't think we have the answer now. I I think no. I knew more at noon than I do now. So uh, that's you just and me way. both. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Oh, uh, well, Hopefully, I get to be uh, I get to get to the go to the games again, and uh, we'll see you at the rink. Hopefully, I look forward to it, my friend. And those Lethbridge Hurricanes look like they're going to be competitive once again. Dustin Forbes, the uh, play caller there for the Hurricanes, my guest, and uh, doing a great job of setting the table and the stage and everything else you can set in advance of this coming season. You can tell me what you think. At TPS underscore Guy on Twitter, you can answer the uh, poll question that I put up on Thursday, being one through six. Give me your final standings in the Central Division this year. The most consistent thing, Edmonton number one, Swift Current number six. Inside of that, there's been lots of uh, shuffling amongst the teams, but I want to hear from you, so let me know. And with that, we've gone through all six teams in the Central, which means it's cleanup time. If you haven't got your bidet, 
hellotushy.com slash pipeline. hellotushy.com slash pipeline. Automatic 10% off just for doing that. And uh, get yourself a bidet. Stop wiping. Start washing your butt. It's quicker. It's better. Better for the environment. It's better for your wallet. No reason not to do it. Get yourself a bidet. You'll thank me later. Next week on the Pipeline Show, well, we've got one division left to go. It's the East Division Preview. Hope to have all six play-by-play guys or at least a representative from the organization. We've had two GMs along the way so far through this uh, tour through the WHL. But next week, that's what we're doing. All through the rest of Saskatchewan and into Manitoba. Two teams in Manitoba now. Doesn't seem that long ago that the uh, Winnipeg Ice were still in Kootenai. But uh, as we get into it, and I think the Ice are going to have a good team next year. Should be a fun division to watch again. And uh, we'll preview that division next week here on the program. Thank you to everyone who has been signing up. There's been a lot of activity on the uh, Patreon site. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Early access for all patrons. And that means, you know, some of these interviews I had on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, they're available about 20 minutes, maybe an hour at the most, after I've done those interviews. And patrons can listen to the full interview. It's not like it's a two-minute clip or something like that. It's the entire interview. And there have been a lot of people who have signed up here lately, which is uh, greatly appreciated. If you're a regular listener, wherever you get your copy of the Pipeline Show from, if you have the ability to leave a ranking or a rating, I would encourage you, or some comments, I would encourage you to do so as it helps bring new listeners to the program. And that, that's always one of the goals here is to expand the audience and get more exposure for junior and college hockey. That's uh, kind of what the Pipeline Show has always been about. And so what you tell uh, non-listeners goes a long way into achieving that. So uh, please do so. And lastly, uh, the big news obviously here in Alberta this week was uh, that COVID is again out of control. And uh, this province... Vaccination uh, rates lagging way behind uh, the rest of the country. We're lollygaggers, it seems, or at least a lot of people are. But if we're lollygagging about that, you know what that makes us. It makes us lollygaggers, and I don't want to be a lollygagger. So get out there, get your vaccines. It's not about just protecting yourself. It's about protecting other people, including kids who aren't old enough yet to get the vaccine. Anyway, at this point, if you're wanting to go watch some hockey games, you're going to need to be vaccinated anyway, so you might as well do it. And with that, I bid you a good weekend. I hope everybody enjoys the weekend. If, if you're in areas that uh, you're able to go and attend some games, so I hope you do that. And then next week, we can talk about that and more here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya. See ya.